Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Nightmares Podcast. I'm Zachary Smith with my buddy here, Brandon Rakowski. I'm Brandon. This is my buddy, Zachary Smith. Oh, shit. And, um, yeah, as you can see, we're missing a few people today, so yes, we've... Uh... Unfortunately, uh, Mark had a previous engagement, so we replaced him with the Skeleton of Shame. And, unfortunately, David is sick today. We only have one Skeleton of Shame, so... Occasionally, a cat will come sit on the chair, and we'll just call him David. But that cat's off screen today, so... <laughs> yeah. He'll, he'll be here eventually. I know he will. He walks in every once in a while. Uh, but yeah, so today's going to be a very fun day on the podcast. Indeed it um, is. Let's not waste any time. Let's bring him out here. So today joining us is the director of a very interesting movie that we learned about at the New Jersey Horror Con and Film Festival called Fauna. His name is Daniel Frankenstein of Psychothematic Media. Daniel, thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me, guys. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you, Zach. This is... This is actually an honor, man. This is actually pretty cool, man, to do this stuff, especially as an independent filmmaker. You know, you don't think about media and publicity for like your movie and stuff like that. You're 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 thinking about how can you even just get like sandwiches to feed your crew. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a tough world out there when it comes to the independent film scene. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And I have a feeling that that's going to be a topic that we're going to be exploring in great detail a little later on in some of our questions. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, so whenever we have somebody new on as a guest, we like to start with what inspired you to get into filmmaking and what inspired you to get into the horror genre specifically. Were there any movies that contributed? Uh, to your fascination with filmmaking and horror or a certain person who influenced you or an event. Uh, what got you started in filmmaking and horror, Daniel? Well, uh, it started like, I guess, most like everybody else when I was a kid. You know, you always hear that. Uh, I was always watching TV, watching movies. That's like I grew up kind of like TV in that generation where TV raised me. And especially, and especially the VHS uh, rental store that made a big influence. I was getting VHS horror movies, and my grandmother had a, used, used to have a stash of horror movies. And when I used to go over, and all the adults were in the living room, hanging out doing their adult stuff, I'd just be in the bedroom, just kind of watching horror movies by myself. I shouldn't have been watching them, but you know, I, <laughs> what the adults that that the, uh, the VHS days, during the VHS days, man. Yeah, I was just my grandmother had like these movies like a rack of just horror movies all, all types of movies mainly but she she had like this like unbalanced amount of horror movies when it came down to the other genres which i found weird because my grandmother's just like so like uh, conservative and normal looking by all standards <laughs> <laughs> any uh, particular favorites from those days Oh, though I kid you not, the one that always stood out in my mind, I, I, I always remember that day, like I was watching this movie and everybody's like uh, in the in the living room and I'm like, I'm laying down on a bunch of coats watching this movie. It was Demonic Toys. Have you ever seen that movie? I don't think so. Not, but I've known of it since forever. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's pretty old, old ass movie. I'm a lot, you know, older than I look, but I'm half werewolf, so I age slower. Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, so that that was like, I remember watching that movie, like, damn, this is so cool. Like, oh, it's like these toys come to life and they're killing these people <laughs> inside, like, this fact, this toy factory, you know, just like, wow, I should be scared of this. I'm a kid. Instead, I remember like wondering, going back home and like wondering, like, hey, man, I wonder if my toys could ever come to life and do something like this. So it yeah, stood was, like uh, that. That was pre Toy Story, I believe. I would assume yeah, so. Yeah, it had to be. 
if you think about it, the ending of Toy Story when he's killing or when they're like tor- tormenting Sid, it's kind of like that movie in like a kid-friendly version in like 10 minutes. <laughs> but it's, and now that I speak about it, I haven't thought about this in a long time. The, uh, the Monty Toys does have some similarities to Fauna too. Now that I think about it, I guess we'll get into that more later. Um, but that's how it kind of like started at a young age. And then I would rent all the big guys, the Freddy. I went through all the Freddy. I went through all the Jasons, the Chuckies, the Pinheads, uh, the Leatherface. You know, I went through all of that uh, growing up. And then I remember when I was a teenager, uh, Scream had came out. I was still a teenager when Scream had first come out, the first Scream movie. And I remember trying to go to the theaters to see that, and I wasn't allowed to go see it. You know, naive as a kid, I was old enough. But I eventually saw it on VHS, and that inspired me to write my first script. You know, I had, I was always been kind of like a story writer as a kid, write these little short stories for school for extra credit, uh, make my own little comic books, draw my own little doodles, and make my own little comic books. I learned to read through comic books. Uh, so I always thought I was going to be a comic book writer, some kind of cartoonist, not like a filmmaker. But once Scream kind of, I guess, inspired me to be like a horror filmmaker. Even though I loved horror basically uh, all my life until that point, I enjoyed it as a fan. But I think it was, I think Scream was probably the turning point that it was like, you know what, I want to make horror movies. Nice. Okay. Yeah, I remember I saw Scream. My brother showed me Scream on pay-per-view when I was like six years old when it first came out that way. Yeah, pay-per-view was around back then? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I remember he used to order like all these movies on pay-per-view. Like uh, the three I remember are Scream, Rat Race, and Jeepers Creepers. Oh, God, Rat Race. And we would have our VCR and he would just record them off of (laughs) pay-per-view. Yeah, I remember that. That was the best thing. I would, I, I used to dub the movies sometimes. Once my dad taught me how to dub VHS tapes lose, using two VCRs, then uh-huh. I would go to the store, I would rent movies and just dub them and then like return, return the tape. But now I have, but now I own the movie. <laughs> huh. Huh. Oh, Those, you can't do that nowadays. Well, no, I guess no, you can't. not really. <laughs> Just like illegally down something online, I guess that's I was what they say, do. All you need to do is just find the right link and click, and you're good to go. Yeah, yeah. You know, you could actually, if you Google search "founder movie" or like "founder stuff," and you go a couple of pages deep into Google, there's already links to download it. The movie's not even finished yet, but you could you could apparently download it on the web already. That's interesting. <laughs> But that's all that. individual scenes or like maybe they're just from the future and they're just like this is how pirating works now <laughs> yeah it's probably yeah like some kind of flux capacitor like computer that travels probably some virus it's like some website yeah. is like, what what are movies that are on imdb right now that we can just make a page for that we can rope people in uh yeah. that's gotta be it so so yeah so it started with scream and i, and I wrote my first screenplay on loose leaf paper and it's kind of like a play kind of on screen, you know, two buddies plotting to kill people around the neighborhood. And it just stood like that. And I just kind of writing little shorts and uh, eventually using the, the knowledge I had between dubbing tapes, I started like editing my own little short videos. Once I got like a camcorder, I'll make, I'll go around the neighborhood and shoot little things. And with my friends, I made a, my first music video was a Slipknot video. I shot with my friends in the living, in the hallway. <laughs> you know, for like it was uh, it was for the song surfacing, I think, right? From the first album. 
Oh, uh, we, we, we had like one of them had a screen mask on, another one had like this black, all black mask, and one of them, <laughs> one of them was all shirtless. And we did this after school one day. I mean, we were high school, I remember we all came to my house after we talked about it all day in school. And then we was like, yo, after school, we're gonna go to my house and we're gonna shoot this shit in the hallway, it's gonna be great, <laughs> you know. Like, <laughs> and then, like, I'm over here with the camera, like, doing sideways moves with the camcorder and doing shit like this, yeah. And they're all like, fuck it all, fuck this. We know people are walking in the hallways looking at us, like, what's going on? What are these kids doing? But uh, it, got, it was fun, man. It was fun. This is way before the days of YouTube, you know. I probably would have had YouTube back then, I probably would have been a YouTube star. But uh, it just progressed and it just went on from there. And then I got sidetracked from filmmaking when I became a professional wrestler. So I was like an independent wrestler for uh, many years. And that kind of just kind of now, that's a whole other podcast, I guess. But that kind of took took my life for about like a decade. Uh, I took a decade out of my life. I did it for about 10 years. And it was after when I retired from pro wrestling after 10 years is that I finally got back into like, you know, I want to make movies again. And, and I remember the, I remember writing Fauna as a short back in two, well, I don't even remember the years. I think it was like 2013 when I wrote Fauna as a short first, as a concept little treatment, as, as a conversation with my friend. After a conversation with my friend, he was like, we should make some horror movies. They're cheap and easy to make and people love them. Right, and you know, you'd write stuff, write something for us, you know. And he said, I, I want to make a movie that's like a like a something between Predator and Dust Till Dawn. That's a great combination, right there. Yeah, I, I was reading the um, the uh, plot description of Fauna, and I thought it's like Predator meets Ocean's Eleven in a way. Yes, that's 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 what it morphed into, actually. It developed more into an Ocean's Eleven meets Predator, uh, but it originally started off the concept of like a Dust Till Dawn meets Predator. And, but he, it, it was like a vague, just like that. Like, hey man, we should do like a Dust Till Dawn meets like Predator. And I was like, but what do you mean? And I was like, like a monster movie or like a jungle movie or like, uh, uh, or like a movie that, that starts off one way and then kind of changes midway into like some kind of horror monster movie as like Dust Till Dawn started off. Like you thought it was going to be like the, these uh, uh, kidnap movie, like save this family from these bank robbers who are trying to cross the border. Are the cops going to catch them? Oh my God. And then an hour into the movie, vampires. Like, what? <laughs> what the- <laughs> I, I'm over here thinking that, you know, Cheech Marin and the Border Patrol are like coming the next day. <laughs> it's like, right, let's see. Is Harvey Keitel going to save his family and he's going to like send these guys back to the feds? Like, what's going to happen here? So, and then vampires. Oh, shit. So, I was, so that's, that's what he was like. Yeah, I want something like that. And that's where it kind of like developed from. I wrote an, uh, a concept of like, all right, so these guys, these people are going to rob or steal something from somewhere and then go to like a jungle and then meet some monster. So there you go. You got your, you know, your Dust Till Dawnish or kind of like your Ocean's Eleven. And then you have your Predator. There you go. <laughs> when, once they get to the jungle. Um, but it stood on the shelf. They were just like, oh, this is great. It, it went from a treatment concept outline to a full-on short. And I was like, all right, let me do this short. And then I did a couple of drafts because I, I went back to my friend. And I was like, yo, look, remember that idea? You do the concept you came up with? I was like, look, what you think about this? And he was like, oh, that's cool. But he was like, oh, what if you just remove this? And I was like, well, all right, I'll do that. So I did a draft for that. But I didn't like the way that came out. Like That kind of, it, it, it uh, didn't supply more action or drama or anything to the situation. It made things too convenient and less fun. Uh, so then I went back, kind of back to that original, original concept. And uh, from there, it became a full-on short. 
And then that stood on the shelf. Nobody knew how to do something with it because it was a jungle and a beach. And mom was like, oh, how can we do this? And then it wasn't until 2016 that I decided to uh, start Psychopathic Media uh, uh, with, the, with the goal to do independent media, whether it be comic books, video games, movies, and all types of entertainment media independently with minimal funds. Basically, like, how can I do something with the least amount of money and the least amount of help, the least amount of resources? How can I do this? And then I went back to Founder again. I said, well, like, you know what? I really like this concept. Everybody I talked about it really like this idea. And I think it could be done. It, it's, I don't have to worry about too many locations because most of the movie takes place outside. Um, it's, uh, it's a cool monster movie. So like, I don't have to, don't have to worry about like coming up with cool action sequences and gunfights or cool choreographs to get people interested. People just like being killed. All right. People like seeing people being killed. I don't know. That's just hard. To, you know, as horror fans, we, we, that's the best part of the horror movies. You know, that is the horror movies. And then I was like, cool, we can do this. I can do that cheap. I just need some blood or something, some fake limbs and shit. I, I could do that. I don't need no CGI for that. So then I went back and then started, but I, I need to make this to a full length movie though. It can't be a short. If I'm going to like take this risk, it needs to be worth something beyond just a short because it's going to take a lot to do this. And all I need to do is add a couple of more minutes to it. It's already like 20 something minutes long. Let me, what can I do to stretch this out? Sat back, reevaluated the story and I was able to come up with a full on, you know, feature 90 minute movie. And that's it. Went into the process of not trying to make it. Nice. All right. We'll go into that a little later. So before we get into Fauna, I just want to talk about some of your earlier parts of your career. So you were a wrestler for about 10 years, you said. And you also sent us a couple of uh, promos that you did for Troma Now. I believe yeah. you said you produced and directed them. And in one of them in particular, I do see the uh, wrestling influence. <laughs> yeah. uh, was that something that you yourself brought to that promo? Or was that something that was already written that just happened to fall into your lap? That was something yeah, that I kind of brought into it. I did, I did, it was my idea because it was supposed to be around March, around WrestleMania time. Mm -hmm. So up until that point, that, that one was the one that I solely wrote myself. All the other ones... I either came up with the concept of the story and then somebody else wrote the script. In the terms for the Valentine one, I co-wrote the script with somebody else. So then and when it came out to March the next year, I was given the opportunity to full on everything, you know, write, produce, direct it. And I was like, well, March, WrestleMania time is coming out, wrestling coming out. And the, and the whole point of these promos is to kind of invoke a little bit of like maybe what that holiday is or what that month is, you know, try to do a little, that was the idea of what we were doing at that time at the beginning of that year. Uh, each promo a little bit, is kind of like a holiday promo slash commercial. So we're like, well, March, what's happening in March that's, every, that's not so cliche. So I was like, well, we don't WrestleMania. Wrestling is big and I love wrestling. And I, they, everybody in the office knew I used to be a wrestler, so they joke around about it. So I was like, you know what, let's do a WrestleMania, a wrestling theme type promo. You know, let's make it like it's like a cheesy pay-per-view from like for like a cheesy wrestling pay-per-view from like the 80s. You know, let's try to go for that type of theme. You know, Hulk Hogan, Toxie, like Toxie's going to be like Hulk Hogan. And then we have like a fake Jesse the Body Ventura during, you know, commentary. And the whole idea was supposed to be that we were going to throw in as many uh, like inside like little random jokes that had to do with like uh, STDs and 
like that, like all these like sexual innuendos and STD, because it, it, it spawned when we were talking about it, we were discussing. It's like, oh, but what would the wrestling league be? Choma wrestling, whatever. And then we, then I remember I was trying to come up with something funny. I was like, well, let's think about funny acronyms first, and then see what we could get from the acronyms. And we were able to come up with STD. I was like, all right, STD, super trauma devastation. Ah, oh, great. That's we got it. So it start. So it started off with that, and that's cheesy in itself. That's cheesy in itself. Like, oh, super trauma devastation. That sounds very 80s and cheesy. So we're like, all right, we're going to do that then. That's going to be the name of the Fed. And then for this promo, let's let's brainstorm this. And let's come up with a lot of, like, little funny gags. And we've been like, so that's why it's like, these 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 STDs are going to take over the world. You know, like, these new STDs are going to take over the world and shit like that. Or, like, they're fighting to be the STD champion. These guys want to be the greatest and, you know, the greatest STD champion of all and shit like that. You know, we want to say funny things like that. So that's kind of where it started. And I brought in my, my, I'm the one who choreographed the fight scenes, essentially using my old training. So I taught them to do the lockup and how to properly pick the guy up without killing him for a body slam and post up so he don't slip and break his neck. You know, so I was like, and how to probably put the guy on his, on his shoulders and spin him around. You know, while I was directing, I was also fight choreographer. <laughs> that must have been fun. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. We yeah. shoot all those promos at the, at the basement of Trauma in the Trauma Building in New York City. Yeah, yeah it's, we, we we've been doing this podcast for less than a year now, and when we started, I never would have imagined that we would have a guest on who got to direct Toxie. Oh, I got to be Toxie. <laughs> really, <laughs> really. I'm Toxie in that promo also. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> writer, producer, director, star. <laughs> star Jesus Christ, you're a multi-tool over there. <laughs> hey, well, in, in trauma, see, that's another inspiration and another, like, drive to, like, what motivate me and, and, and further push me to do the founder movie was working at trauma. That was, like, the final push. Trauma are the kings of independent media. The kings yeah. of, you know longest independent film company in America, man. Like they, and what they do, they do good stuff. They do a lot of good stuff with, you know, with the minimalist uh, resources or the minimalist budget, like, they, and, but they, they still produce good quality stuff. And I'm talking yeah. about like, you know, the in-house trauma stuff, you know, trauma also acquires a lot of other filmmakers and they help and put a lot of filmmakers on, they give them a platform by uh, distributing their movies and putting them out there for everybody to see. Um, but the in-house trauma stuff also is very independent, very do-it-yourself, and it's very like skeleton crew. You know, it becomes a, a, a like a family unit almost because you're relying on each other so much because it's so low budget and it's so just like minimalist people there. So, like in the office, they can, they'll only be like a small handful of people, and then you have they have to divide the office work, you know, the legitimate business of running the business and office work. But then sometimes they have to kind of jump in and help when we do the cool fun stuff like the promos and the movies and the things like that too so you do become kind of like a family unit and it, it, it they give you opportunities so it was fun to be there and, and start off as like an intern and then like help by now and then get to like now help produce like these little side promos and, and commercials for like the DVDs or little special features or, or it's Lloyd's Instagram stories. You know, those are things that we used to put together too also at the office. And everybody's just kind of like, hey, come over here, put this hat on or put this mask on. Or look, we're going to do this promo for the next Blu-ray release and here, put this, be toxy for this promo. We just need you to do this real quick. Or here, put this on, you're Sergeant Kabuki, man. We need you to do this real quick. 
and, and, and it's fun, you know. So it's like I grew up with Toxic in the Toxic Avenger, also you know, coming from the VHS days. That's also a movie that I fondly remember the very first time seeing on VHS. So it was an honor to to be anyway connected to to trauma and have like that 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 time with Lloyd Kaufman who helped who kind of mentored me and, and helped me out in my filmmaker path, giving me advice, kind of take me under his wing and talk with me, having conversations. And it was even at the end when, when right before I remember though I started the week before I started production, I found it, like about two weeks or so. I went to the trauma building again, asking for a final, like, "Hey, Lloyd, I'm about to start this movie. You know, you be who you are, trauma. Like, what what last advice can you give me so I could pull this off?" And he went. He gave me his last blessings and his last advice, and sent me on my way to make my own movie. Wishing me luck. And so, like. It, it's it was an honor, man, to like work under that house and play Toxie and be Toxie for a little bit and write write stuff for Toxie, like write like write a script where I'm actually writing dialogues like Toxie says this. I'm like, I can't believe I'm doing this. Oh shit. <laughs> yeah, I actually only recently like I've always known about trauma, but I've only recently started watching their movies. And I'll say this about what I've seen of Lloyd Kaufman. Uh, I don't know what your cat just did over there. I don't Zach, know. He's but... being weird. <laughs> we have two cats over there off screen. Uh, one of them's making a mess of something. <laughs> but anyway, um, and like the special features and the interviews I watched with Lloyd Kaufman, um, as bizarre and perverse as some of the trauma movies can be, he seems like just the most enthusiastic kindest person like he seems like the kind of person that would never have anything bad to say about anybody and yeah it's it really does come through and the passion that's brought into those trauma movies as well yeah he's great he's he's like you said you see the energy because it's real what you see is real i like i used to be in the office at times and we do these promos i look at him and we're all these young guys. We're in our 20s, our 30s, you know, some of us in our early 40s. And like, we're, in comparison to him, we're young guys. And he like just kind of outpaces at every point, man. He has so much energy. He's electric. Like, we'll do the promos and we're all like, yeah, oh, let's do this. Let's do it this way. Or oh, do we have to do that? Or I don't know. And, and, and Lloyd is just like, nah, come on. Like, I'm going to... I'm gonna put the the, the uh, 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 give me the, the, the stuff so I could do a, a, a nuke out, you know, and just like give me the foam, and he'll throw himself on the floor, and he'll drop his pants, and he'll spill drinks on himself, and he's just like he puts us all to shame. I'm like, man, the energy that this this guy has is like crazy. I was like, I don't like half your age, and I'm tired right now. I want to take a nap. And you're <laughs> let's go let's do this and he's like so great and it's like motivating it's very motivating like his and you feed off his energy and he is such a nice genuine guy really cool very intelligent a lot of people don't know that man but this guy's he's a genius he's a very smart man you know a man of uh, uh many languages uh you know like i said like uh highly uh, uh red this guy is well read very well read and he's just like all around he's like He's a very nice guy, very intelligent guy, and it's an honor to have met him. And I think for everybody who meets him, they always say the same thing. It's like, oh, my God, he's so great. He's so great. So you could see it's just not like the people who work for him in nepotism. <laughs> it's like everybody who meets him says the same thing because he is genuinely a great guy, man. You know, I love Lord Kaufman. If it wasn't for him, you wouldn't be talking to me right now. 
Nice. All right, cool. All right, so that's uh, your time at Trauma. Um, Zach, do you want to take us into the Fauna era? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so when I talked to you a little bit over at the New Jersey Horicon, you said you did this completely guerrilla style in Brooklyn. Yeah. Tell me about that. <laughs> uh, all right. Because when, when I saw the trailer, I'm like, this is Brooklyn? <laughs> uh, it, it took a lot of planning, man. It takes, it takes a lot of filmmaking is a lot of work before this quote-unquote work. Yeah. You know, uh, I guess some people might call it the boring work. And so when it came down to doing the fauna, I first had to isolate, you know, do the, all the, the producer thing, you know, do the breakdown of the script and figure out, all right, how can I logically do this thing? So the main big glaring thing, obviously, was the jungle. Like, how am I going to do a jungle movie without a jungle? And I live in New York City. There's no jungles out here. Um, at first, when I was like, you know, like most filmmakers, most anybody, you start off with big dreams. Like, yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. So I'm like, I'm going to call my family in Puerto Rico. And I'm going to, hey, I want to make a movie. And everything over there is a jungle tropics because it is a tropical jungle. So I cannot do this movie. And then it was like, yeah, sure. I guess they don't really know or understand what filmmaking entails. They would just probably be nice. But they're like, yeah, sure. You can bring people over. They can, you know, they can stay here. They can go, you know, you know, your cousins, you got the other house across the street. You know, they stay over there. You know, like, so I'm like, all right, cool. So I call my cousin. I'm like, hey, can you go over there and like do some location scouting for me? And you like take pictures around the area. Like, yeah, I live literally, I could just, y'all could just go down the corner, take some pictures. And it's like, here, you want to hear some jungle photos? You know, so it's like, so he did that for me. And I'm like, yeah, let's do this. I'm going to see how much it costs to take people over there. By this point, I had like an estimated, like, all right, it's going to be a cast of this, a crew of this. How much would it be? When I saw how many digits <laughs> in that dollar amount before the decimal point, I was like, uh, uh, I think... I might have to like reconsider this. Hold on. Uh, how, um, what other shorts do I have over here? You know what? I think I'm going to have to do another movie. Hold on. I think uh, what, other, what other scripts I have here? Because <laughs> I can't do this. Like, all right. So I was like, right. but then um, I would have been talking to people at that point. I already had kind of been talking to people. Hey, I want to do this movie. You know, I'm looking to do a movie. Hey, uh, are you, do you give me any advice and stuff like that? You know, I was always never be too proud proudful you know to ask for help or advice especially in, on an independent level um you gotta learn somehow it's, you gotta be trained somehow you gotta figure it out somehow so i used to tell people hey i'm doing this movie what should you think about oh i'm doing this well, how should i do this how should i go about that so one of my friends who's also a filmmaker a really good very good talented independent filmmaker also here in new york city um he knowing already that i've been trying to do this movie and, and i showed him the script he was like, hey, I'm going to be doing this music video. And like this, he knew this. He found this spot, like this, this like secluded spot somewhere, isolated, you know, spot next to where they had a beach connected to it um, off, a ro off a side road in Brooklyn, almost so far Rockaway. And I'm like, hey, all right, cool. He's like, yeah, come down. Help me out with this music video. I think it'd be a cool spot for you to do your movie, man. You said you need like a jungle. 
And I'm like, all right, so I went, I want to do that. I help him out with this music video. And while I'm there and he's setting up, I'm walking around and taking photos. And sure enough, I'm like, yo, hell yeah, this shit looks like a freaking jungle. Hell yeah, I could, hell yeah, I could do something here with this. I could definitely do a move. I could. So then I went back and started now, like looking at the script and seeing, all right, how many jungle scenes do I need? How many uh, beach scenes do I need? Um, how many actors do I need in each scene? All right, how can I do this then? All right, um, can I go there? So then I went back a couple of times on my own, take, taking more video and pictures of the area. And I'm like, okay, I, I'm becoming more and more confident that I could do this because it's like, all right, it's secluded. You know, I'm checking all the boxes, like, all right, it's secluded. There's nobody, no, it's off road. Nobody, because nobody's here to bother me. And the few people who do come here are like just passing through on their bikes because it's like a bike trail almost thing there. Or they're coming down to the beach to just kind of like, just walk along the shore or collect junk because there's so much garbage on the beach because it's secluded. Nobody cleans it there. No city doesn't clean it. So it's like all this garbage everywhere. Some people, they collect bottles and trinkets and shit. Or people just go there to smoke weed or just fuck off. Who knows? Like, they just, no, <laughs> nobody, oh, I don't know. I'm like a curse. I'm sorry about that. Uh, oh, no, you're was, fully, uh, say whatever the hell you want. Nobody cares. <laughs> uh, it's East Coast, us East Coast people, you know, we're foul potty mouth people. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so I'm like, yeah, so nobody really comes to this beach. Nobody really walks through this grassy, like, jungle-looking area. Um, it, the trees, obviously, don't look tropic. You know, they're not palm trees or anything like that. So I was kind of worried about that. So I was like, all right, well, maybe I could try to frame things out where you don't see too many trees. But, but all this other greenery, it's, like, it's passable. Like, I'm sure some some horologist somewhere or, like, some is going to be, like, this those trees are not indigenous to a tropical environment or like that grass you know that grass doesn't grow in tropics that's 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 east coast grass you know like that's cold grass you know, you know that's movies then nothing's perfect you don't watch movies for education you watch it for entertainment you know yeah. so, so, um so I'm like, right, as long as I don't show too much of like these regular looking trees, I could probably pass with all this nice, bright, different shades of green and tall grass and, you know, light sand on the floor. I could pass. This could pass. So that made me more, again, more confident. Okay, so now I got a location. Oh, shit. I got a fucking beach now. So I was like, now... I need a jungle. I got the jungle and the beach. So what else is in this script? So now I started looking around. All right, I need a... The next thing was where I'm going to have their headquarters. It's only like a couple of scenes in the beginning to set the, all the, the heist stuff up, all the robbery and the crime stuff. You know, all the city, you know, back when they're still in the city before they go to the jungle, uh, where, where their hideout is going to be. They need like a hideout where they're planning this heist. Um, how do I find that? And again, because I was talking to people and letting people know, uh, another friend of mine who does music, you know, he uh, another he does independent music. He, uh, and the actors at a, at a home where the actor has his own home studio, well, the rapper has his own home studio, and that rapper actually is one of the people in the movie. And this how he, this is actually how he got involved. So one of my friends who goes to his house on the weekends to re to make beats and record songs, uh, he was like, hey, "This my friend. He has like this basement." And you said you were you needed like some kind of place to kind of look like a dark kind of like warehouse or basement or like I don't know if you want to come down and check it out. You know he's a cool dude. Maybe he might let you use the basement or something. And and, and he said he's a trauma fan. 
you know, this going back, you see like how, you know, Choma has a big influence too on what happened. He's like, oh, he's a Choma fan. So, you know, he want, I told him that you worked at Choma, you did stuff with Choma, he wanted to talk to you and stuff. So I'm like, ah, right, cool. So I came down, I spoke with him, he showed me his basement, I took photos. I was like, hey, the walls is yellow. <laughs> um, I, I, I can't, it's going to be hard to do this, but I'm, again, I'm like, all right, but this is a good location. I'm, I'm essentially getting a free basement. They even has pillars, even has like two or three pillars on it. So I could pass it like it's like a warehouse or something. You know, it has pipes running all, all on the ceilings. I'm like, damn, if it wasn't for these walls being yellow, you know, is and he had a green screen there too, because he also did like his own little videos too. But mm-hmm. the green screen could be moved. That could be moved. The walls is yellow. <laughs> it's like it's that's you know, as as you guys who do your podcasting and you work with lights and stuff like that, you know, that could be a harsh color to your lights, like a real striking like McDonald's yellow. Yeah, that's that, that could be harsh. And then and then also aesthetically, it won't look like a cool like like this cool warehouse that these like cool criminals hang out in and shit. But I was like, God, we have a free location, free cool basement. How do we do this? So then that's why I thought, well, I'm going to have to kind of black out the wall somehow. I can't paint this house. So I'm going to try to get like some kind of tablecloths or black sheets or something to pin them against the wall, tape them against the wall, whatever, to black out the walls. And it will just decorate. We'll, we'll, we'll decorate that over that so it looked like black walls. You know, so then I went and I put like posters and papers and newspaper clippings and all types of shit on stuck them onto the, the tablecloth, this black tablecloth on the wall. So it just looks like random junk, just like taped up on the walls, like black walls. So now I had a basement. So I go, cool. So I got I got a jungle, I got a beach, I got a basement. You know, and then that basement could dub for two different locations. I could use it with the black walls for these guys' hideout, and then I could take off the black walls, light it, light it with the yellow in a in the best way possible that I could. It looks cool, but now it looks like a different room, and that that could be these guys' you know hideout now. It could be like a different like secret criminal hideout layer, uh, and I shot both those scenes on the same day. So I, could, so I was like, oh, I could shoot these on one day, two locations, same spot. All I got to do is just change the background, you know? So now I'm like, all right, so I could, so it takes that planning, that, that foresight of like breaking the shit, breaking everything down into little increments that makes the task, you know, obtainable. You it's kind of like it, heist itself in a way. <laughs> it's like, what? Like what? It's kind of like a heist itself in a way. Yeah. You got to plan it like that. <laughs> It is so. It is so much like a heist because yeah, you even thinking about clothes, that and that. So uh, wardrobe, like oh, how many different changes of clothes these these characters need in this story? Like how many days takes place in this story? Are they changing clothes? You know, th- this is what I mean about the boring work, it's quote unquote. But well, I find it fun. But you know, quote unquote, some some people, uh, especially like come amateur filmmakers or rookie filmmakers, just coming into the game. You know, they they they. That's the stuff that you don't really want to do. You know, they don't want to like, who who cares how many days take place in my story? Didn't you read the chase scene on page five? You know, who cares what they're wearing on day three? Suppose, you know, who cares what they're wearing on, on page 36? But, uh, but, but, but page 36 is technically the second day. Why are they still wearing the same clothes? You have to take that into consideration so your actor or whoever's getting the wardrobe knows that they have to at least bring three set of clothes to this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
they're like they're not gonna wear the same outfit the whole movie and it's like everybody else everybody else is changing clothes and you the only one still rocking your goofy shirt like come on bro like this whole movie like what's going on like <laughs> so um it's little things like that that i had to like start planning and taking into consideration and now breaking down and making lists lists are going to be lists is an independent filmmaker's friend i'm sure big time filmmakers too but they probably have people making the list for them where you as an independent filmmaker you got to do it yourself you make a list yeah. location location list wardrobe list actor list property list, list. Yeah, yeah, makeup list, you know, all that that you need, and you start checking those things off, and it's a it's a daunting task, and it takes a long time. So it was basically two years of pre-production of doing all of that. It was like just two years of just that before we actually wow. went into started rolling cameras last year in 2018 in the summer. It was, I, I came to the, like, hey, 2016, I'm going to do Psych the Right Media. We're going to do independent shit. I'm going to figure out how to do things with no money. You know, I'm like, how do I do a website with no money? Well, I got Wix. I found Wix. I got a, how do I do graphics and, and, and cool posters and, and stuff like that for social media and for promotion? And I don't have a computer or, or Photoshop. Wow. I found this app. I found this app. I found this app. I found this app. I was like, okay, not one of these apps does everything, but... It's tedious, but if I go to this app to do this, then take that and then put that into this app and then do this. And then I go and double back to this app to do that. And then eventually I have an 11 by 17 poster. You know, this was made on my cell phone. You know, I have a four by some, I have a four by something banner, two of them designed on my cell phone. You know, I have a cool eight and a half by 11 black light glowing photo of the fauna designed on my cell phone all with free apps so when i was doing the movie i was thinking the same thing how can i do this with the least amount of money, least what how can what how can i go about this you're going to give me a basement for free i'm going to take it you're going to you, you're saying i could shoot here in this secluded beach with no permits or anything i, I i'm going to take it uh, i just reach out to anybody that you know hey you like to build things hey you mind making me some props i draw the draw design for you if you want i'll buy you the materials but can you build it for me you know, you, you reach out to every resource yeah. that you have because there's you're always going to know somebody, especially when you're a creative or you're into that creative or media world. You're always going to know somebody that knows something. It's like, she's a seems this person's a seamstress. This person likes to draw. This person likes to make things out of clay. This person likes to write. This person likes to act, dance. You know, you're always going to find somebody, So, but you're never going to find them if you stay to yourself and you don't reach out and network like how yeah. we do it on this podcast. And then um, for the actual filming, uh, we had talked about this a little bit at New Jersey Con. You shot this over multiple weekends, correct? Yeah. So it wasn't like so it wasn't like this is going to be day one and it's going to be a thirty day shoot straight through. It's it was broken up weekend by weekend. Um, yeah. So that probably required a lot more planning because you don't have the advantage of once you get into the groove, you keep going and going. It's you get into the groove and then you got to stop for the week and then you got to get back in the groove again, so on and so forth. So about yeah. how long did the uh, shooting process take uh, working only on weekends? So that was definitely everything you said. <laughs> it's grueling, a lot of planning. It did take a long time because you do have to start, stop, go back to your own life, work the nine to five, Monday to Friday, come back Saturday, Sunday, shoot this movie. You're, you're, you have basically no day off. Now you go back Monday over and over again. So that took 
originally when I broke it down and I did the scene by scene breakdown and all the locations and I got everybody's availabilities, I went, I, I was able to come up with a 13 day uh, shooting schedule. Uh, originally, what I, in my mind, I was like, well, I could do this in 13 days, uh, but this many scenes, you know, this many scenes this day, this many scenes this day, this scene that day. Okay, I could do this whole entire script in 13 days. I can do this in 13. But then I was like, I got to give myself wiggle room, rainy days. Oh, somebody's not feeling well this day. You know, oh, hey, my, 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 my cousin's sister's cat's birthday is Saturday the 24th. You said you need me the 25th. I can't do it because, you know, I got to be the one to hold the cat over the water while they baptize it. You know, so <laughs> like, I, I can't be there. So I'm like, ah, I did. So I got to reschedule you for a different day or reschedule the whole thing for a different day. And now that's like an off day. All right. Hey, everyone. Guess what? Nobody has to come to this shitty ass hot beach with the mosquitoes on Sunday. You know, hope you enjoy your day off. You know, like that. So, uh, <laughs> so the, the the thirteen days ended up becoming a full on twenty days. It ended up becoming twenty days, which I guess is not too too bad. That's a lot of like, hey, next week's gonna be the last day. Oh, sorry, next week's gonna be the last day. Oh, wait, guess what? Maybe not this week, but next week will be the last day. <laughs> Towards the end. Um, but uh, all, all across, I think it took, it took about four months. We started on June 16th. That was the very first day of shooting. Uh, um, and we ended principal photography full on. We, we ended on the last day on October 8th of 2018, on Columbus Day. You know, that was the last day. By that time, we kind of exhausted a lot of people's availabilities. Other people started, um, you know, they had to go, they had other commitments. And since our, our, our production went longer, uh, it, it, we now had to like kind of like condense more things into each day, and the last day was filmed on a Monday, because by that point it was like we were already in October now. It was getting cold. Other people's uh, commitments were now coming into to play, and I had so we had to now take that, condense it as much as we can, and reschedule everything around to try to wrap it up and end it on that Columbus Day Monday where everybody had a day off from their normal jobs. So that day too was like, you know, hey, we got to get this done because um, if we didn't get this done now, we might not have an ending to our movie. Hmm. And then that's it. We have to wait for the summer to pick this back up again. It was spring. So we pushed and we ended it. So that was, yeah, four months. Yeah, June, July, August, September, October. October. Right? October. Yeah. Five so, months. yeah, four, four and a half months there. Yeah. That's wow. a whole half a year. <laughs> yeah. Half a year. That's half, and then that's working every weekend. So it's like Monday through Friday at that time. And then and it goes to show that, you know, it just takes a lot of dedication. It does really take, like, you really want it because it's not going to come easy to you on an independent, like, very low monetary status level. <laughs> you know, so it's, uh, so I was working at the time for Gotham, the, the, the Batman show that was on Channel 5. Yeah, I saw it on your uh, IMDb. I was I was working at Gotham at the time when I was filming the movie, and it was um and that's a Monday through Friday job, you know. So I was while I was working on Gotham Monday through Friday, um, I, that was on like 12, 13 hour days. If I'm counting my travel time, fourteen hour days, maybe fourteen and a half. So and this is Monday through Friday, Monday through Friday, and then Saturday I'm waking up again 
bright and early to put in another like 10 hours on Fauna. And then Sunday, do it again, another 10 hours on Fauna. And then Monday, coming right back to work in Gotham again. And that was from, and I started, I started Gotham in July. I started Gotham like two weeks, at, like two weeks into production of Fauna. And, and so, you know, the month of June was okay. Uh, um, I, 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 I was had a, another prior commitment during the week with, uh, with a, the New York Film Commission, like a program with New York Film Commission. So I was doing that during the, the, during the summer of June while doing Fauna also. So I was still busy throughout this whole summer, but it was less hours on that one. So, but when Gotham came into play, that's when it really started kicking my ass because that's when it was like, you know, I'm 14 hour days, 15 hour days, Monday through Friday, but then no rest on Saturday, Sunday, because now I'm doing 10 hour days, 12 hour days on Fauna Saturday, Sunday. Uh, by the end of the season of Gotham, I was dying. <laughs> I was dead. I was like falling. I'm like falling asleep. You know, I'm, I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting kept ha espressos handed to me, and stuff like here. Take this, man. You fall. I'm falling asleep in production meetings and stuff. It was like, it's, it's, it was tough. It was tough. It was a, it was a hard grind, but, but you, when you, you have to push through it. You have to push through it because nobody's gonna help. You're not independently wealthy in the independent level like that. Most of us just are hardworking during the week, and you gotta, and you only have one or two days off, maybe if that, maybe three. Who knows? And so you got to make each day count. You make every each day count. And that's how I was able to knock it out in five months on like a very shoestring budget. With, you know, this, oof, it was crazy though. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine, man. That's rough. And then, um, so I don't want to talk about this too much because I want your audience to discover it for themselves. But I do want to briefly talk about the monster and fauna because you had um, a part of it of the suit at your table in New Jersey. And I just want to say that thing looks real <laughs> for where, for where your movie takes place. Like it really does look like it is part of the ecosystem in your movie. Like, yeah, I would say it's up there with like the creature from the black lagoon level. Like it's, and when you were telling, like we were, and you let us touch the mask too at the table and it looks real, it feels real. And then when you told us what it was actually made of, we were just like, no way. <laughs> um, so we actually have here, so your audience could see what you are uh, referring to. Here is the fauna mask right there. That is the fauna monster for the movie. And it does have a articulating mouth. It does move up and down. And so the people who made this are a very talented artistic couple, you know, Hector De La Rosa and Gail Bukowski. They work out of their own home, just like you, just like me, you know, just like they too are independent artists. And they, are, they make props. They specialize in making props. They do their own short films also. They're very talented filmmakers also. And they're short. They have, they have a nice... They actually have a really cool YouTube channel with some of their shorts on there. Um, you can, I would suggest your audience check it out too. Uh, Cycloptic Films is their, their YouTube and their Facebook. Um, they have like some cool shorts there. Uh, but they really, where they really like excel is like making costumes and props. And they do this also very DIY. 
very low budget, minimal resources, whatever resources they could find or they could put together, and they make really good quality work. Uh, um, uh, it's the you sure you saw them in the costumes they made at the convention. One of the shit, like the Jersey Devil with the wings, and they had the the, the vampire cowboy stuff, and that's all made in house. They all do that in their house, and that was a, a an amazing job they did there. When I told them yeah. originally that came about, the, the monster is kind of like, you know, going back to what he was like, oh, Predator. We need something like Predator. I was like, well, I'm like, we can't do Predator. And I was like, well, what is this monster? What is this monster? Is it an alien? Is it something? And in my, so I was like, I, I think it's going to be something that's going to be indigenous. I don't want to go into like space aliens or or, cre- or like created laboratory creatures. Or We can't go there. We have to keep it kind of ambiguous. And but if we keep it ambiguous, we don't want the audience feeling like they don't know anything about the monster. And what is it? So we have to like I, I, I was like we have to do something cool that I feels indigenous to this world. And I was like, all right. So I went. I, I designed a con- I had a concept design. I took all these different pieces. Again, going back to the free apps on my phone because I don't have Photoshop. I went on Google and took random like photos of like jungle plants. And like, you know, like, uh, and then I went, I got a, a character design from like a comic book, like character design. Um, it's actually Blackheart, the villain from Ghost Rider. You know, I'm very comic book influenced <laughs> in everything that I do, I guess. I'm a, I'm a very much a nerd. <laughs> um, so I took a photo of Blackheart because I, I like the aesthetic of Blackheart, this big lumbering creature, but like with this like, dreadlocks like this big big huge kind of like dreadlock mane and he's like this big lumbering creature with this big dreadlock mane and i was like man if if i could make something like like that that looks intimidating like that but like but but like some kind of jungle mane like its hair is made out of like jungle plants and it just like hangs down he just looks like he got like these these plant dreads or something you know, and he just looks really cool, like this big lumbering thing, right? And like, oh, I guess Predator had dreads too, but Blackheart was rare. So when I got this picture of Blackheart from Ghost Rider, and then I went I, and I took all these different like pieces of wood and, and, and uh, uh, plants and jungle plants and stuff like that. And I chopped it up and I kind of like on my phone with this app, I pasted over him pasted all over his pieces all over his, this picture of Blackheart and I came up with this weird uh, looking yeah plant like creature with this big huge like lion jungle mane and I uh, was I, I originally I was going to make it myself so I'm making this costume myself and I'm like ah this is going to look like shit it's not, I'm like I'm talented in certain many things but this is not one of them I'm put this together to make it look cool it's definitely not gonna look cool this is gonna look like shit but i still push through i'm like whatever i'm still gonna make my test costume whatever i'm gonna do it and as i'm talking to people again going back to just constantly talking to people of what you want to do and like looking for help and advice another filmmaker friend of mine who does indie films he actually uh has a cool like zombie movie like a cool like zombie short that he made and that's why i actually got somebody who worked in that film and on my film also he was like, hey, the guy who did my special effects, here, check out my zombie short. This guy did the special effects, and he does cool costume stuff, him and his wife. I'm like, oh, for real? All right, cool. I'm like, all right, so I'll check this out. And, and, and I check out his work. I'm like, cool. 
do you have his contact? He used my email. I sent it to him. I started talking to the guy back and forth on email. Hey, this is what I want to do. These are my ideas. I send them photos of the Blackheart little content that I made. I send them photos of some of the work I did on some of like the test costume elements. I went to Michael's craft and bought all these fake plastic plants. And I, and I went, I bought like a, a spandex shirt and like some spandex pants and I'm gluing shit and safety pinning plants onto this thing to make a fake shirt. And I take photos and I send it to him and he's like, cool. And I'm like, look, um, I'm making the body, but I definitely know how to do this head. Like this face, I could probably get away with hiding his body and, and everybody, nobody has to like see my crappy costume design, but um, the faces was going to be dead in center. And you got to, can you make the mask for me? I love your work. And can you make the mask for me? And he went, so he's like, cool. I, I, I whipped, I started whipping up some designs. He came up, he got, he did some, more, some of his own sketches and we went back and forth on email for a little bit on the design. And then we came up with what you see, like more or less of what you see here, the final finished product. And he, but during that process, him and his wife kind of fell in love with the monster. They fell in love with the final monster and they are now, he was, he, now they wanted to do more of the suit. He's like, hey, you know, we almost done with the mask, but if you need like anything else, you know, do you need a hand or a glove made or whatever? Or like, and it, it got to the point that now he's like, hey, okay, well, you know, we will be, we would love to do this monster costume. Like we, we really love this idea and this, this, this concept and we will really love to be a part of it. We really want to give our time to make this, 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 this full suit for you. We go back and forth on other designs now for the full body. And now he was doing pictures and he was like, oh, look, here's the hand that I made. And like, here's the forearm. And then he's taking me videos. At one point, the, the, the mouse was going to have horns and the horns look like branches. And then it was like, ah, oh, we don't know. Let's, let's, let's remove that. Let's not, let's, let's go back to the main. And then, then it just kept coming together. I was like, wow, this, this house is looking good. And he was like, uh, I went to the, to the beach location. I went, I took pictures of the surrounding, around surrounding plants. And I was like, hey, look, this is where we shoot it. This is what the grass looks like. This is what the wood bark looks like out there. And he was like, oh, great. Thanks for these photos. And then he went and around his way, there's woods. And he took pictures wood samples out there and it really became like wow we really feel like a creature design like this is really like coming together we're, we're making a monster this is like like how you see in the special features of the predator or or frankenstein or the special features of wolfman or or the thing or any of those movies that have a cool monster and you're like cool prosthetics you're like damn man we, we're doing this like i can't believe this is happening but it's all happening to like in and very independent level very much like, hey, I got to do my job first. I'll come home. I try to put like an hour or two into it. On the weekend, I'm off. I'll put more. I'll put more of the day into it that day. So that too, building the costume a couple of months of process. You know, I had to start that early in anticipation that hey, this might take some time to do. And even that, we went. We started rolling cameras, and the costume still wasn't completely done. So I had to schedule. I had to schedule things in a way where like, okay what scenes can we start shooting now to give him the last little bit of more time that he needs to finish the costume. And then, you know, and I remember he finished the costume like about like maybe the third week into production. So we already had done like, this is like our third weekend in uh, uh, doing it. So we already had done, we already had done, you know, uh, three days actually, because well, the next day, the next weekend after our first weekend, 
was the first two-day weekend because that first day of shooting, it was Father's Day, was the following Sunday, was the next day. So our very first day of shooting, that very first weekend of shooting, we just did one day, that Saturday. But then every week after that, we started the Saturday-Sunday. So it wasn't until that third weekend that we didn't get the costume. And then I live in New York, and he lived in, like, something township, New Jersey. And if anybody from around here, or I don't know how it is over there, but when you hear township, you know, get ready for a drive. Get ready to go somewhere. It's not in the city. It's a township. You get ready. I had, like, I remember, like, five I had a first place scramble. Find somebody. I don't have a car. You could wake up on that weekend to take all the motherfucking township and 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 come back with the suit time to still shoot that day. Because again, I couldn't just like waste one day of just picking up the costume. Yeah, like oh, I'm gonna waste one day of picking up the costume. Uh, um, so it's like, all right, I'm gonna wake up super early. Calculate how much time it takes to get over there, then be able to come back and then go back and make it on set in time to still shoot a couple of hours that same day. <laughs> so that in itself, see, so like everything becomes an obstacle when you're shooting guerrilla style, no permits, independent, you know, you don't have a wardrobe or costume department that that's all they're handling. You know, so they're making sure the costume is ready on time. And I don't have a transportation department to make sure that they're going to pick it up for me and bring it to set for me. Um, I have to do it myself. So, so it's, it's, a, it's hard, you know, when you're non-union, guerrilla style, independent, no crew, you, you don't have those luxuries when you're in a big production. But we nonetheless woke up like crack of dawn, four, four, it's like 4.30 in the morning, in the car by like five in the morning, drive like two something hours to New Jersey to pick up the costume. This is my first time now after like almost a year Going back and forth for emails, like I actually physically got to see his face and meet him. And like, and we were like, Oh man, what's going on? Good to see you. But hey, load up the costume. I gotta go. Oh man, inside. you can't come outside. Oh, I'm worried. I'll, I'll, I'll see her. I'll tell her thank you too. Like, and it's like, Oh, boom, we got it. Cool, load it up. Bow, let's go back to New York City. Let's go, let's go. Let's go. We gotta go. And it's like, and then the costume is, is big. It's it's many pieces because it's like a it's a mask. Then it's a, a torso body piece, like a shirt that slides on and you gotta zip it up from the back. Then it's a then it's forearms, that's separate. Then it's hands, that's separate. Then it's legs up to like the knees, that's separate. Then it's like these big, huge like Bigfoot feet, like these huge Tyrannosaurus feet. And that goes from the, the, from the shin all the way, rest of the way down from the knees. So it's, it's cumbersome. It's really huge, hard thing. I was telling him, he's like, how do you expect to travel this on set? I'm like, well, I'm going to travel on a train and a shopping cart. He was, like, he was like, you can't put that on a shopping cart. It's going to mess with the cars. I'm like, Dude, I don't have a car. I'm going to figure out a way to get this on a shopping cart and get this to set every morning from the Bronx where I live at to this <laughs> very tip of Brooklyn on public transportation riding the subway. <laughs> you know, it's, it's going to happen. You know, and, and he was like, whatever, but it did. We did do it, you know, to travel the, the suit. So what I did too, that's going back to the planning stages of everything. Now I had a plan because of the, 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 the amount of pieces and the travel demands of this costume. Now I had to like, all right, 
in this scene, do I need the full costume or do I need just like half his body or do I need just the feet or do I need from the waist down? Can I get away with just the arm and the glove? You know, uh, so then that so then to, to, to minimize the amount of stuff I had to travel with on a shopping cart, you know, the, the, that, that was an ever evolving thing of how to get the gear in the costume to set every day. So on my first day, the very first day of shooting, I loaded everything onto like a dolly, like a hand truck, loaded everything onto a, like a, like a hand truck that you can lay down flat and it has a handle to push. So I, I load everything up and, and I kid you not, dude, this is what I mean. The world is against you. You're a filmmaker, an independent filmmaker. The, the universe is against you because it wants you to fight hard for it. Um, so the very first day of shooting, I'm, I'm excited. I load up the, 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 I wake up four in the morning. I got my, my, my hand truck loaded. I got camera, lights, bins. I got like three bins, some book bags, like a duffel bag. I got all this shit loaded up. And then, mind you, I didn't have the costume yet. So this is just the first day of shooting, just the interiors of the, of the warehouse. So I had all the, the stuff to decorate, the tablecloth. I had all that shit like on this huge hand truck. Waking up at seven, five, four in the morning, I leave my house at like six in the morning. I go down the street to my train. Train is not working. So now I got to push this hand truck with all this gear, like to to the next train stop because I can't. This train, this hand truck is so big that the bus won't let me on with it. So, um, so I have to now walk two train stops, which is probably maybe half a mile, maybe almost, maybe three quarters, maybe yeah, three quarters of a mile to the next train stop. And then over there, the elevator's not working. I had to figure out, get all the way down to the platform, bah, one way, I had to take shit off, bring down the fucking thing down the stairs, load the shit back on, push it to the next stick, go through the turnstile, go to the stairs again, take everything off, put it down. And I was like, fuck, man. It's, it's what I got to look forward to every weekend. Ah, shit, man. So then that was a couple of weeks we did that with the hand truck. Then it became a shopping cart. I was like, mom, I need to use your shopping cart. I went to my mom. I was like, mom, you have a shopping cart that I can use. Uh, I'm going to use that shopping cart on the weekends for the movie. I need to put, it's, uh, I don't need as much stuff anymore because we're not shooting indoors. So it's less lights, uh, but I need a shopping cart. So then that became, you know, I'm going to travel with that, put everything into a shopping cart. And, and, uh, and so I have a duffel bag, I have a book bag on, a duffel bag around, wait, a duffel bag on my chest, and then a shopping cart. And then the shopping cart is stacked to the top with a bungee, so nothing falls out. And I'm like, looking like a photo. And I'm like, there you go. And I'm, I, I get, I every weekend taking that on the train, you know, and doing that. Thankfully, it only took a couple of weeks for them to repair the train, and then I could take the train down the street again. But, you know, that happened. And eventually, that kind of, then when it came out to get a costume, the costume was so big that the whole costume had to take up the shopping cart. So now, when the costume on days that we were shooting with the monster, you know, because we we didn't sh- not every day was with the monster. So on days that we were shooting with the monster and he had the costume, um, now the whole shopping cart was the costume. It took up, and even that, the feet we we had to designate somebody else to hold one foot and somebody else to hold another foot. So they, at least they still have one arm free because the feet were so big. 
So it'll have the whole suit in the shopping, the whole body will be in a shop in a shopping cart wrapped in a in a sheet. So I would take a big huge blanket and wrap it in like this big bundle. So all the pieces are condensed into one thing and, and like and I'll tie it with a big string on top. You know, all I need to do is shove a big ass stick through it and just walk along some train tracks and I look like an old school hobo with patches on my knees. Um <laughs> but, but uh, uh but instead, I put it into a shopping cart wrapped into this blanket, but then the feet couldn't fit anywhere else. So one person, hey, you, you hold the feet, you hold the feet. That's it. Let's go on this train and go there. But then now I had no room for the gear. So then I went to like Home Depot and I bought like this big, like rolling, like toolbox. And then that became where all the camera and the mics would go, whatever props we needed to make blood and shit like that. That became like the gearbox. Even though, and I still had the book bag and the duffel bag with other auxiliary stuff that we needed all the time. Tri- and, oh, and then tripods on, on two shoulders like that. I, I Man, one day I took a photo with all the gear on and I put it, I think I put it on Twitter. I think it's posted on Twitter somewhere. Like I'm holding all the gear on me and of two feet. So, so people can get an idea of how, how much I was carrying on certain days. Um, so that that was a challenge too. Bring just bringing the costume to set was a freaking challenge because it was so big and huge. And just getting all the gear and everything in general to set was just a challenge. Everything was a challenge filming guerrilla style. So you literally had to bring everything: camera, tripods, lights, props, costume for the monster. Like it sounds so. It sounds like you were the uh, one-stop shop for literally everything going into this movie. Um, so one thing I'm curious about is, did you have any kind of help from any kind of crew on set during filming or was it just you? So I did every day was kind of like a rotating of duties and like, uh, help from different people who are available. Um, but very early on, uh, uh, very early on, one of my friends that I've known for, for, for a very long time, her name is Josie Rodriguez. Uh, she came on on the first day of filming and she, uh, after that, committed to coming every weekend. And so at least now I at least have one crew member. So now me and her were like kind of, hey, you carry this, I carry this. All right. You take the cart, I'll move it down. Or like, I'll meet you halfway at this stop on the train station. You come in and then I'll bring everything there. But then from there, you help me move everything from there. But then on set too, you know, hey, can you help get this ready? Can you help do this? Um, and it became, as it, as it progressed during the production, now it was like during the week, hey, can you help me with the schedule? Hey, can you? So it became more like a two-person team mm-hmm. to make it became more like a two-person team with, with, with a third or a fourth or a fifth or a sixth to do anything else um, if they were available, if needed. So if like, I had a friend or somebody who was like, hey, you know, I hear you do the movie. Uh, I'm not doing anything Saturday. If you need help, I'll come down. And I'm like, oh, cool. Hey, hey, remember you said Saturday you come down? Would you like to come down? Yeah, sure, I'll come down. I say, hey, you're going to come down, but I need you to, like, to hold the microphone and just kind of like listen on the, you know, on the headset if you're hearing it. And like, if you see these lights moving, just let me know, <laughs> you know? So there was no time to even train a crew properly. Nobody was, so of course you're gonna run into a lot of, you know, uh, issues or, or delays in time and all that because you have to kind of like explain what they have to do at the moment. They don't come like ready. So that does take a little bit of time. It, it doesn't, I wouldn't say it hurts the production, but it, it, it makes it a little bit more difficult too. 
and time is a lot of money. You know, time is money. And in this case, not money, but for us, time is the sun. Yeah. The sun is our light. And depending on its positioning is how our setups are. So um, that kind of became challenging. So it really became just like a two-person crew, me and her. We just kind of like just would share the task. I'll be if I'm booming this scene, you know, and and our cinematographer too, of course, is the, the like the unsung third person, I guess. Um, we didn't want to put a lot of too much strain on him, uh, uh, making him do too much double duty and all this other stuff, like you know, because he has to focus on on you know the cinematographer. He has to make this look good, and he has to make sure the cameras are good and all that stuff. So, you know, we, it was more like, hey, he did. We, hey, you handle everything with the cameras. Which he did. So I was like, "Look, you're, you're gonna handle everything with the cameras. You tell us what you need with the cameras, because and, and every and while I'm doing everything else, and then anything that I can't do, she's doing. So anything that you need, you ask one of us. And because right now I'm gonna go do, I have to direct this scene, but I also have to hold the mic. Or I have to direct the scene, but I also have to man the second camera because we always try to do a two camera setup. We always work with two cameras." Um, advice at Lloyd Kaufman, you know, very precious advice, sound good, thorough advice. So you should always, if you can, shoot with multiple cameras. Um, so we will always shoot with multiple cameras. So it'll be like a cinematographer's on one camera, I'm on one camera, Josie's on another camera. Um, uh, and, and then one of us is holding the mic and booming. Uh, or, or one of us is just making sure, looking at the viewfinder, make sure it's good. And maybe an actor who's not in use right now. Um, Maybe we got them, you know, walking over to to get some water and bring get some water because you know, because hey, can you go over there and get some water bottles, you know, for this person while while they they getting ready real quick? Yeah, sure. Well, I don't know. Walk over to the cooler, get some water, come back. Hey, thanks, man. I'm sorry, man. You know, you know, they're not being used in the scene at the moment. They're just hanging out right there, you know. But they're standing next to us, you know, while we're setting things up. Yeah, because it, it was a fun, you know, the, the process. Everybody's just learning. Everybody there, like I said, was there out of a favor, out of you know, to to, to help out and contribute our, as much as they can. Some of them knew about film. Some of them never worked on film. Um, some of them had inspirations for film, or some people were just doing it as a favor. So hmm. it'd be like, hey, can you just get? To, can you go over and grab some water? Hey, can you bring me that tripod over here? Yeah, to that green bag over there, so I don't have to keep walking and running back and forth grabbing the stuff myself. And so it became, you know, that that was the crew, essentially like a three man show, you know, me and Josie doing whatever camera wise that our cinematographer Stanley Rojas needed um, him handling all his equipment, handling all the, the technical equipment and making sure it's all keep it safe and set up properly while we are setting up the sound. And, you know, I'm setting up sound or she's setting up sound and I'm mixing blood. But while I'm mixing blood, I'm talking with the actors going over the scene. You know, so I'm like, yeah, so what we're going to do is this. We're like, yeah, you got to walk over there and we need to do that and, and, and this like that. And, and yeah, you know, yeah. So like we need to, okay, so go over there. You know, oh, you got the script? Cool. You got to the lines? All right. So, okay, this looks good. Okay, can I see that? All right, let me see. Yeah, that sounds good. Here, I just need you to stand over there, hold the stick, you know, hold the pole. Let me know if you hear sound and, and if the light is moving. Okay, cool. But we'll let you know. When you, hear, when, you, when you hear us say rolling, hit that button right there. All right, cool. And then, but then sometimes we didn't even, but there'd be days that it was just really would just be me, Josie, and Stanley, our cinematographer, and the actors. Nobody else. So everything was fall onto me or Josie's shoulders. So, uh, and she eventually became executive producer through her efforts. You know, she, she 
it was uh, a, a, a huge contribution to have that second person there uh, to, to go along through this process because it, it, and, and be able to both delegate tasks and, and separate and take, uh, hey, I do this, you do that, and, and share the load a little because filmmaking is no joke. And even though up until that point, I already had working on this project for three years, doing all this planning and scheduling and budgeting or whatever. And now here we are filming the movie. You know, it's still, it, it be, you know, other problems come up. And now I'm, I'm in a different position with this, this process that I have to, I have to be like, share the load. You know, somebody else who's not directing has to be doing other things too, because I can't direct and do all this other stuff, which I don't mind doing. To, to get the stuff done, but I have a credit in every, I'm not going to put it, obviously, I, this is not the room, and, uh, <laughs> but I'm not Tony Wiseau, <laughs> but I do have, a, I do have a credit, you know, it comes down to, when it comes down to a crew, when it comes down to crew, I probably do outnumber her a little bit, but me and Josie have a credit on like every department in this movie, so it's like, who handled wardrobe? Us two. Who handled, who handled special effects? Us. Two. Who did? Who's the sound department? Us too. You know. Uh, who is location scout? Who's location department? Okay, that was only me. But uh, uh, who is transportation? Us two. You know. All right. Like who is grip department? Us too. You know. All right. Like, uh, uh, who was the production coordinator? me but i guess she's the assistant production coordinator you know like like it, 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 it started off one person but eventually you know because a team is what takes in filming or anything in media it's always a team. like it's even somebody who's that you only know about let's say like a let's say a quentin tarantino or alfred hitchcock or something like that you know only of them and some people might think it's only them but it's really a team of people that that were able through their hard work give this person the ability to be that person. So it was one. This is two man team. So essentially, essentially, it was a two man team, uh, a two man crew, you know, a three man crew counting a cinematographer. So really, a three man crew who did this, you know, with with day players on occasional days, like who helped out this day or that day, or like, hey, can you run to the store and get some sandwiches while we're setting up? Sure. <laughs> so like, I'll do that for you. But you know I got to be back before my scene. Yes. Don't worry. You will, we won't be done with this scene yet before, but by, by the time you come back with the sandwiches. You know, it's like that type of deal on this type of level when it comes to crew-wise. And then when it came to travel, a lot of times it was still just us three. So my, my cinematographer lived a couple of train stops away from me, not two, not, uh, like two or three, um, further up from me. So then he would come down. He'll wait at the he'll wait at the at the station, and then and and then I'll be like, hey, I'm gonna once the trains are working again after that first weekend, <laughs> uh, I'll, he'll meet me halfway, and then I'll come down to the train station. So I'll lug the stuff from my house to the train station. I'll get it up to the platform, but then from there he would uh, he 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 would assist me with whatever transfers or we needed to do moving the gear till we got to the next meetup point where we, now we met up with Josie. So then now we meet up with Josie. Now us three, you know, again back to the three person crew. Now us three, we would now go all the way to the the the, the rendezvous point to now meet the, the the cast. 
So now we had like this like Target somewhere. It's like, oh, like there's this Target store right by the train. You know, it's a big man park. You can't miss it. So just meet us at the lobby of this Target store. And that was like the every weekend meeting. Same, we met up in the lobby of this Target store, you know, every week, every Saturday, Sunday while we were doing this movie. And it'd be like, all right, so be there at 10, be there at 11, be there at nine, you know, whatever the call time was. But it was always like at the Target. And then, then after we all met everybody up, we all now jump into a bus take that bus now all the way to uh, the second to last stop before it crosses the bridge and leaves Brooklyn and goes off until now like the Rockaway. So um, so that too was challenging. And, and then once we met up with the cast, now it was like, okay, look, hey, can you hold this tripod now? Hey, can now you hold this book bag? Oh, uh, hey, you, look, can you hold this foot? Hey, look, can you hold this foot? All right, yo, every morning, every weekend, we were, we were, we were load onto this public bus, mind you public New York City bus, it'd be like six of us, seven of us, 10 of us, because we never always had, it's a cast of 10, and I know we're going to get into that later um, in a bit, um, but it, it, we would sometimes have maybe eight casts plus us three crew, you know, me, Josie, and Stanley, and then, and so that, what, 11 people entering the bus with bags, and like a, a, a rolling a shopping cart with like a big bundle in it. And I got like this big roller like toolbox. And, and like you got one person with a big foot and then another person with another big foot. And then like somebody with like a tripod. You don't even know if that's a tripod or a rifle or a crossbow. <laughs> you, you don't know, man. You don't know what's in that like that little like satchel piece, whatever that travel bag for the tripod. That could be anything, bro. Somebody could fucking that's just somebody could just zip that shit up and pull off a fucking Sarakana, like straps, tie, go back. What's going on, dude? Like, you don't know what's in that. So, yeah. So, and it's 11 of us, like, all like, you know, ah, coming up in there, like, with this, all this gear and shit, like, <laughs> rolling into the public bus. People were like, oh my God, looking at us. It'd be crazy. And, shit. and then we over here talking about, like, the scenes and the stuff we're going to film. So, we over here talking about, like, yeah, and then this is going to happen. And then y'all pull out the guns. And then this dad, and like, shh, shh, don't say guns too loud. We're in the bus. We're like, yeah, and then we, we're going to go. We're going to get the, and that's when we put the blood. It's like, oh shit, well, come on, man, don't talk about blood. You know, it's like in the monster. And, to the public people, like the people sitting in the bus or the people sitting on the train whenever we were like taking the train and taking the bus every weekend with all this gear and stuff. Like it, 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 people must be like, who are these? What's, I don't think we're crazy. Because like in the morning, it was a little more tame. We're tired. It's morning. We're lugging all this stuff in. I guess people could be like, it, it, it could kind of pass for like a weird day at the beach because it was summertime. And then, and then that bus does take you to Rockaway Beach. So my people must be like, what kind of crazy beach day these people are about to have? Like, with this giant-ass monster tree-looking sheet. Like, what the fuck is this? Like, what, what's going to happen? In the, you know, what's going to happen at Rockaway Beach today? But then we get off at the stop right before it crosses the bridge. And then we go down this dirt trail. So then that, too, now it's like all of us leave and get off on the side of the road. Like, the last stop is just like a dirt road. It's not a sidewalk. It's like a dirt road. It's like the stop before you cross the bridge. It's like this secluded, tall grass dirt road on one side, and then like a, a old like army base. That's I think like a community center now, or some shit on or abandoned anything on the opposite side. So there's like really nothing there. Like why are you getting off here? It's not even sidewalk. Like what are you doing? It's dirt. It's like so all of us eleven people like with all this weird stuff is not getting off, and then now going into like this 
walking now like this secluded dirt trail now like this dirt grassy pathway now like what's going on over there they must have thought we were doing like some kind of crazy rituals or something like it was like who knows what was going on there but that was basically how the travel was like with all this gear and the, there was no crew it was just like uh, me and her me Josie and Stanley carrying it from taking it from I take it me and Stanley take it from one point of the Bronx to to Harlem then we meet with Josie and Josie gets in at Harlem and then we go from Harlem to Brooklyn and then from Brooklyn now we meet with the cast and then now that's when we start separating stuff like you hold this you hold this you hold this you hold this and now all of us cast and us three we get into a public bus, drive all the way to like the second or last stop before you leave the borough of Brooklyn and then walk down this dirt trail. And then we'll just we'll just find a spot to set everything off. Like, all right, you put that there, put that there. Let's lay a blanket here. Y'all can sit over there. Y'all can sit over there and let's start, you know, getting things ready. And then at the end of the day, we just pack it all up and we'll just get the same, you know, the same routine. And it'll be like everybody takes a bus back to the train. We all get on the train in Brooklyn. At one point, you know, all the all the cast are kind of getting off at their stops, at their respective stops. And then by the time we get to Harlem, it's back to just us three again, like in the morning. And then, and then Josie gets off at Harlem and then me and Stanley take it up to the, you know, to the stop where we met up in the morning. And then he will go home. But then now at the end of the night, I'm I'm still the guy who just like in the morning now takes everything in one shot from the train from the train back to my house. So every every weekend in the morning, I took all I took everything from my house to the train, and then at the end of the night, I took everything from the train back to my house. You know, so it'd be like one of those type of deals, unless you know, unless that night maybe we're gonna like, oh, it's it's Sunday and we don't have we're off from work tomorrow, or just hey, we finished early today, let's actually celebrate. Ah, we we, we finished in eight hours. Look. Sun is just about to go down. Let's get a drink. Ah, and unwind for the two seconds of the weekend. So there, maybe then we'll all double back to my house, drop the gear off, us three together, and then just us three lonely crew members, you know, drink it up like 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 depressed. Like 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 the press have press marital problem guys like crying into their beers and like the movies like mm, like, uh, like or, or like like beat up people licking their wounds like so hurt like but it was fun it was all along a, a long process but it was a fun process and then all us three became very close because of the process and all the trials and the, the tribulations and the walking and the gear riding. So us three became, I guess, like a nice, good three-man crew that I guess could accomplish anything now if we wanted to, filmmaking-wise, because we did it all together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, we sh- and we shared it, all the tasks, you know? So what I was, so that that's basically the crew was like, so you don't need too many people. You do need a team. Don't get me wrong. You said as, as I still learned to the hard way. You still need a team, even if it's just two people. You need a team. You know, it's, you know, tag team. That's two people. Um, uh, so you, you, even two people could do something a whole lot. You'd be surprised what two people could do in more than three. Sometimes two people is all you need. Sometimes three, four. You know how the old saying goes: too many cooks in the kitchen. Too many. But in all reality, there's more than ordinary. You can have a two hundred team crew. You know what you could accomplish with a 200 team crew and, and 200 different individuals to do different things. You you could you make a crazy fucking movie every time, like a 
a cool independent crazy movie every time. Like that's the idea too. Obviously, money. We all have to live and eat. Like, but but let's say you can find two hundred individuals that are willing to dedicate their weekend to do some kind of craft or media or entertainment or artistic kind of like endeavor for the love of the endeavor first, because there is no money at the independent level. Um, you could get a lot done, you know. You get a lot done if you have a like if you have a decent job during the week, or and you have make a decent money. You're okay living, and you have Saturdays and Sundays off, or whatever days off. If you're able to like coordinate those days off with other people who also share like that same kind of like passion or that same idea or concept or that same drive. Yeah, I could do a lot, man. You could, you could, you could do a lot because it's like money sometimes is what gets in the way of art happening, good art happening. So just imagine like somebody who's really good at, at special effects, like Hector and Gail. So you know, imagine something like this, Hector and Gail. You know, Hollywood would tell you you need like some union person who's been working in the game for like 20 years and was a protege to, to Stan Winston and was like, you know, he was the back scratcher to Tom Savini and, you know, out of the living dead. Um, and, you know, you need one of them and they're part of the union and you have to, and then you have to pay them, I don't know how many thousands of dollars with a, with comma, maybe commas, you know, um, to do this. And, and but then you find and, and but then you have a, a passionate artist like Hector and Gail, who again you know you still have to you still compensate. So I, I still you know I still pay them for their hard work because I, I just felt like hey you gave us such things let me give you something man, please you know can I sign you my firstborn at least like, <laughs> like <laughs> uh, so I still you know but but the but. It's nowhere like the is nowhere in comparison of what I I wish I could give because I don't I don't ha I didn't have the funds you know in this stage you know every little penny counts to, to get what I need to get the movie made, and but if if he wasn't so passionate about the art and the craft of making props and making costumes we wouldn't have this phenomenal suit that we have, and and, and if we didn't have uh, uh, somebody who was passionate about cinematography who loved the craft and the art of, of videography and shooting things. And he likes, he likes filming and he likes taking pictures. It's like, we wouldn't have had a, a, a cinematographer who was willing to like do it for whatever scale or whatever pay that you're like, Hey, I'll, I'll help you out, man. Yeah. You just, just give me my train fare or something, you know, like uh, uh, same thing with the, with the actors. If you didn't have like an act, if you didn't have actors who were passionate or like wanting to act, and like, you know what, man, you don't got to pay me. I don't care. Or, yo, you, you want to pay me 50 bucks or you're only going to pay me a thousand dollars for this movie. Like, no problem. You know, I know an actor should get paid whatever thousand for this movie. I'll do it for one thousand. Finally, cool. You know, if you can scrape that up for me, I'll do it. Or I'll do it for a hundred dollars. You, know, like, you, 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 but you don't find these people unless you throw your network out and you talk to different people and then coordinate your time and your passions together. You know, like uh, uh, different people is going to bring different things to the table. And uh, there are you are going to find people who just want to do it for the sake of just wanting to do it. Not not like what a monetary goal behind it. Sure, everybody would love to get paid to do what they love to do. So but uh, at a stage where you, where you don't have no connections, maybe no experience or, or no experience on like paper or, or something that people could quantify and be like, well, this. Yeah, I know this person. Yeah, he's great with special effects. You know, uh, um, you have to kind of just 
take up whatever opportunities come your way, whether they're paying or not paying. So then you can show, well, look, you ever seen, you, you've seen this YouTube video or you've seen this short or, hey, have you seen that, that, that B movie? And like, if you, if you scroll page five of like horror on, 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 on Netflix, this, that shit look cool. Well, hey, it's crappy, but it looked cool. You know, you could tell it was a low budget. These are things that can happen with people who just like want to just like just do it. And then, hey, let's see what let's see what happens. Let's see what, what we can make out of it. And then maybe we will get paid. Maybe we won't. But maybe it could get us to a position where we can get paid now. Because now we can say, hey, look, we, we could point to something and say, hey, we I did that. I did hair and makeup for that. I did I did VFX for that. Oh, I did props for that movie. I did uh, transportation for that movie. I, I did catering for that movie. I, I'm a good chef. Everybody loves my food. If you don't believe me, I did catering for this movie. It was like 200 different people I fed, and they all love the food. Like, you know, that's that's a good review of 200 people. <laughs> you know? So it, it's about getting the the... the the, the passionate people behind you and coordinating your time and days off. And we were able to luckily get a, a, a crew of us three who were passionate about the filmmaking process and what it took and a crew of the, a cast, you know, a good cast to with the same drive. Yeah. So speaking of the cast, so what was your casting process like? And of course you also had an actor in a monster suit was casting for the man in the suit any different from casting from the regular characters? Like what went into both the casting for the regular characters and the monster? So with the, with the monster, he was the first person, like uh, since I knew that the monster suit was going to take long, mm -hmm. it's going to take some time to make, um, I had to get, that person first. So the, the the person who would be playing the monster was the first person that I cast in the film uh, uh, months before we went into any real like official official even casting or even or even like searching for anything. Because um, I knew I had to get that ready. So like I, I already reached out to a, a really good friend of mine that I've known for decades now, um, a, a really talented actor and overall performer actually. Really good overall, a really good talented performer, whether it be acting, whether it be body performance, whether uh, it's professional wrestling. Because this is a, a guy I met and goes back into your resources, people that you know, people who are around. You. This is somebody I met back in my very first professional wrestling when I was a teenager. Um, he was he was assigned to me as my manager for that match, like accompanying me to the ring. Um, and that too was also his first professional wrestling match as a manager. So we both trained at the same wrestling school and I was training to be an in-ring performer. He was training to be like a, like a manager, you know, like, like somebody coming outside and um, like a Bobby Heenan or, you know, something like that. Or Mr. Fuji. So he, um, so they assigned us together and they were like, Hey, this is going to be your manager today. Oh, Hey, you know, I introduced myself. Hey, what's up? I'm Danny. Hey, what's up? You know, I'm Sam. I'm Sandy. I'm like, cool. We're coming out together. So then we had. He came out with me a couple of matches, and then he he stopped he he uh, stopped coming around. I don't know. I, and um, and then I moved on to other promotions, and then you know we didn't see each other for many years. And then here we are, about uh, like a decade later, after I'm retired, and now I'm trying to like now do get more into the entertainment industry and get back into the filmmaking. I uh, was I had took a gig working for a haunted house. So I was working for a house on the weekend. It's called Blood Manor in the city of New York City, their most premier uh, haunted house in the city. 
it's been around for many years. So I started working there. You know, it's like, oh, cool. I finally get to be, I'm not much of an actor, but hey, I did professional wrestling. I could do this. So now I was like a character inside of a horror. I was a, I was a character with my own room um, inside of a horror a haunted house. I was kind of like this psycho game show host. Like this crazy, like Beatles-inspired game show host. But he was a, also an actor in the haunted house. And here I am reconnecting with him 10 years later. And I'm like, oh, dude, Sammy, oh, Danny, what's going on? Well, how's it been? And then, um, and, it's, and this is like around 2010. This is around 2010. So it's almost, yeah, it's almost like a day, almost like 11 years since like, we really like seen each other. So then, um, I don't, I'm not, I'm doing founder in 2016. So it was, we, we worked from 2010. Now we reconnected. Now we, you know, we're talking. And now, so in 2016, when I decided to do the movie, he's the first one that came to mind because of the, the, the performances that he would bring in the haunted house under all the makeup and the prosthetics and all that, that he was really good. You know, he started off, he was, he was, and he knocked it out in any room he was in in the haunted house. And then they, he would even entertaining the people outside online scaring the people out online waiting to get inside you know and keeping the people like you know entertaining scared in the public so i was like this guy knows how to like get a get a scare out of people this guy knows how to move his body under a costume you know with a minimal like dialogue he knows he don't have to say anything just the way he moves his body sometimes will creep people out in the haunted house so yeah. I'll, I I'll just like, hey, the poster behind you oh just fell in the background that's all right. Independent film, man. Yeah. <laughs> independent film. See, guerrilla style. Independent film. Um. So I was. I told him. I said, "Hey, like, you know, I'm gonna do this movie, Sammy. You want to be involved, man? Like, you want to play the monster?" And he was like, "Oh, man, I would love that." And then I showed them designs. I showed him. I said, "Hey, look, this is what it's gonna kind of look like." Um. I, I'm just letting you know. I don't know the full suit how it's gonna work, but we're gonna try to make it comfortable for you. And he was like, no, I'm down, I'm down. Hell yeah, let's do this. I was like, cool, I got a monster now. Oh, I got it. So this is when I started working on the costume. And, you know, I asked for his size clothes. What's your size shoes? What's your size pants? What's your size shirt? You know, uh, how, how do you normally wear your pants? Baggy, tight, whatever, stuff like that. And then what's your height? What's your weight? Because then the, 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 then the guy who was making the costume started asking me these things. So I, I had to get him looped in. He had to be coming early into the process. As everybody else, I, uh, I waited a little bit more. Um, the, the way the casting process worked with this movie was after I cast him months prior and we already started working on the costume, I now started wanting to tweak. I started just kind of like tweaking up the script more. You know, still going under a couple little rewrites. I'm still like rewriting it, tweaking it up here, you know, trying to make it a little more sharp. And so I, I wanted to wait. So I got a little, I wanted to wait until I completed that. And had that nicely typed, I could like show somebody the material, the full nice finished material, and and I also wanted to wait, so I got a little closer to production. So I knew I was going to do a summer production. I was like, right, I'm going to plan this for like June, you know, because I don't know how long it takes, and I want to try to get this done as as early as possible. And I mean, I go August, September, you know, school and stuff, and I don't know, you know, I'm I'm anticipating. I don't know if I'm gonna, I'm thinking about older casts. Like I want an older cast here. I'm not trying to. This is not like a CW like teen show. I'm trying to get like a people who've been like criminals for like a couple of years and they're just kind of like, I'm done with it. I want to retire. So I knew I had to get like older people. So I'm anticipating work schedules and I'm anticipating kids and family and husbands and wives and stuff like that. So I'm like, all right, let me wait until I get a little closer to the production. 
because I don't want to reach out to people now. And I'm like, hey, I'm going to do a movie in six months. And then now I got to kind of like stay six months in constant contact with you to keep you interested, to keep you invested, keep you in the loop of the process, you know, letting you know that this is real, this is happening, you know, keep your schedule clear because I'm going to need you. Um, I'm going to need you for this time. And, and, and then I didn't know exactly how much time I needed them for because I was still in the process of tweaking up the script and getting those final like little like edits out. So, so I still, I had a preliminary schedule and of, of shooting dates and scenes on certain days that I was going to shoot. But since I was still in that process of kind of like, Oh, you know, now that I think about it, I don't need this scene. You know, I, I, I already knew that the, the, the schedule will change. So I thought, all right, let me get a little closer before I started reaching out to you. So then once I finished the script and everything was all done, I kind of waited on it for a little bit. I let the summer, I finished it around the f- going into the winter. I was like, all right, let me let the winter go, fall, go through. We're going to shoot in the summer. So I'm going to wait until like the spring to start kind of like, reaching out and putting like casting calls and all that but during this process there were like certain people that i already had like been that i've known for years and i was like would we talk with them? like hey you know i'm thinking about doing this movie you know what interested in so there's another guy one of our leads uh, uh he was the next person to be cast the next person to be cast was one of our leads uh one of the, the male lead of the movie uh, he was a he was an actor and a really good a really good friend and guy a person that I know for many years up until this point, at that point uh, through our work uh, through our, a TV show called the Bill Cunningham Show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like one of those like Maury type shows. So mm-hmm. you know we were on that sh- we were working on that show and uh, we were talking you know we were talking about comic books we were talking about horror movies and stuff like that. So then years later I had thought about him. I said, like, hey, you know, I haven't saw what happened with this guy. He was a cool dude. And I knew he was an actor. And you know, you know, he was a really nice cool dude. And I was like, I was like, hey, let me reach out to him. We're 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 still connecting on Facebook. We still talk here and there. We still chat. You know, he's a cool guy. You know, let me let me see if he'd be interested in this. And I sent the message, hey man, you want to meet up? We meet at Starbucks. You know, we uh talk about like this movie that I want to do. I'll, I'll show you the script. You know, I I I, I brought him down. He came, we met at like a Starbucks in the city. I brought some, I brought the one scene. I brought like a, a scene with him from the movie. And I was like, hey, can you just kind of read this scene out? And we read it in the, in the diner and I went down to the Starbucks and he read the scene. And I was like, you know what, man, dude? I like that. You good. And I was like, Yo, you want this? You know, because I you I thought of you when I thought about this. So you want to do this, let's do this. And again, he was like, yeah, I'm sure I'm doing this. And I'm like, look, but, you know, I know, you know, you want to get paid, how much you get paid. And then he's like, oh, you know, don't worry, man. I, I just, I do it for the passion and for the love. And I'm just like, all right, cool. Let's, you know, no problem. I'm still going to give you something. And we'll, and we'll, and we'll, 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 we'll get there. We'll come to a good stuff. That, but, but if you want this, win. So now I had a, I had a monster and now I had a lead. And I was still kind of like, and this was now going into winter. Now we're going into winter and now I got a lead. I got a monster. So then I reached out to some of my other friends from the haunted house. I was like, hey, although a lot of the people in the haunted house were actors. So I worked, I worked five years in that haunted house. So I had a couple, I had a, knew a lot of actor friends. Hey, I'm doing a movie. Would you be interested? Hey, I'm doing a movie. Would you be interested? Oh, some were like, yes. Some were like, I'm, you know, I don't know what the schedule is like. I don't know. I'm sure. Or I'm not, or, and I'm telling them, hey, I want to shoot this on the weekends. 
oh, I don't know, I, my, my job doesn't let me off on the weekends, but, you know, if, if I ever, if there's a day that I can come down and help, I'll love to help. And this is where you get, like, those extra crew on those extra days where it's mm-hmm. like, hey, man, I, I can't make it because I work every Saturday and Sunday, but if I have a day off randomly on a Saturday, I'll, I'll let you know and I'll come down and help you. You know, so you get those kind of things. So, like, I'm, so, it's, so I'm building out a cast now. So getting into the, the, the new year, I was like, okay, now I got to start planning the real cast. So now I start going back to some of those last the, the, the haunted house people who showed more, the most interest. And I'm like, yeah. And they said that they had the availability. So I'm like, look, hey, would you like to do this? So I ended up getting two more from the, my, my days at the haunted house. Two good, two, two, two really good talented actors from there. Um, and then I would put out a real cast call. So the first thing I did was I did like uh, those uh, backstage. I did like the backstage. Yeah, what was the we use, I think we like, use backstage for all of our shorts so far. We have. It's a, it's a great resource. Yeah, so it is. It's free it, it, to a certain extent. If you I think it's like only twenty bucks or something like that, if you want to put out an ad or something, I haven't used it in a long time. But I, I know was going to say they're always giving out free coupon codes. Like I've never had to pay for it. Like I'll just check my emails, the promotions tab, and they're like, "Here's a free code. Post an ad. Cool." And so I did one of those, and then I just kept uh, uh, editing it throughout, so I didn't have to like you know keep putting out another one. I'll just edit, and then. Uh, uh, and then from there, I started talking with a friend of mine who's, who eventually became an executive producer, and that's Josie, who works in the casting industry here, and mm-hmm. works in the film industry and the casting. So I started asking her, like, how do I go about this process? You know, I got these other people who I've met at the Haunted House, and they're saving actors, and they want to do this for free, but now it's getting to the point that I need to know how this really works. Like, I'm, a, I'm an idiot in this industry, and you've been doing this for so many years, and you've worked on so many television programs, like legit programs like Gotham, Blue Bloods with Tom Selleck. And I'm like, man, you've been doing this like, you know this world. How do I do this and not get sued or do this a proper way? Or what do, or what do, what do I have to, what do I have to look forward? Like, what are all the different challenges and obstacles and pay rates and, and insurance? And it's like, like so, so this is too how you, you know, see. So this person who became like a, an advisory at then became a crew member then became an executive producer. But I had that in. Granted, not everybody has like a a, a friend in the inside like that, like I had, that could give me all that insight, like that professional experience insight. So I could kind of go about it in, in 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 a more educated way. But it's, you, it, it, that's how the process can be done, though. The process can be done through, like how you said, like how you've done your shorts with the backstage and stuff. There's like these resources. I don't want to like discourage anybody because, like, I don't ever want to really think that, like, hey, oh man, well, you know, I don't have that. You know, that's the thing that they kind of like gets people sometimes they like they get excited they get enthusiastic about a project they start knocking out those obstacles but then you get to that one obstacle that they kind of that pops into your head. I don't have that. I can't get that. I can't do this thing. So I just want to like reiterate that. Yeah, you could. You could. There's many ways because she got. She got also through her. So I, in the casting process, I was. I could say that Fonda went through every single kind of process you possibly can. Like it went through an official type of process with a, with an actual casting director in the industry, and that's how we were able to cast one of our leads. And then it went through like backstage. And we were able to cast somebody through backstage. 
then we went to Facebook. We were able to go to Facebook groups. We were able to cast somebody through Facebook groups. And then we were able to cast people through recommendation. We were able to cast people through like friendship. So everybody just kind of like, everybody kind of came from every scope possible of casting on this movie. When you think about it, if you look about it, like it went through the closest, it went through my friend Sammy that I knew from two decades, for two decades and we went through a lot. To the, another person that I that I just most recently only worked a couple of years with, but I reached back out to, to then uh, reaching out to an actual friend of mine who works in casting as an actual legitimate casting director in the industry, and then they through their recommendation getting me somebody, and then through Backstage.com we were able to get somebody, and through Facebook we were able to get, and then through Facebook we got our lead, our actual main lead, the week before they shooting, like like. like I'm gonna get more into now the thorough process of it because it, it, it started with just that. That's just an original call out. All that process that I explained the backstage, the but then has to now you get the submissions, you get the discussions. It's like so. It's like so. My 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 friend like so Josie, who was also the casting director, where the recommendation she was giving me, it'll be like, hey, so what do we need for the character? What do you want for the character? I can help you, but you gotta let me know. You gotta tell me what you need and what you want. What. what what age are you looking for a certain ethnicity or do you need somebody who could do flips do you need somebody who has fight choreography do you need people who's allergic to sand like i don't know you need to let me know what you need so going through her i that's like uh, oh man you gotta you go through that that real thorough official process of like you get like these different people and it's like oh what about this person what about this person here's their headshot this is their resume, and you're like, wow. And I'm over here like, man, I'm not official. Uh, hold on. Now I'm like, this is I'm a first-time producer right now. Like, hold on, but but I'm learning right now. But it was a good learning experience. But then when you have to go through a social media, cut out some call out on you know on Instagram, I throw out some call outs, make some graphics, and throw it out. Hey, we need some like extras for a scene or something like that. So but when I do that process, you, you know, I'm like you have to figure out a way to word everything. You know, you want to give everybody all the proper pertinent information. You don't want to like, when you're reaching out to people that you don't know who's outside of your circle, these are not your friends. These are not people that you could just text all day and they understand where you're coming from and what you want to do. These are like now strangers. So you have, so, so how you word it is very important. The information that you convey in your posts, whether it be on backstage or Facebook, or Instagram is is very important. It's almost like a first impression type deal, because you you're a lot of people actors um, they understand or they know that oh non union that's like a big red flag non union especially non union horror movie little to no pay you know or or, or just like that vague compensation you know? <laughs> that can be or like here's yeah. compensating you with a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and a bus pass. Here you go. <laughs> oh, compensation could be anything. So like it's you it's very you have to be very crafty, very like what you're wording, like put out the deep, let them know what they're getting into because you're reaching out to strangers. And then you're gonna have just like a, a, a maybe they might reach out to you on email. You gotta be like, yeah, well, this is who I am and this is what I'm trying to do. And like, okay. And they wanna make sure that you're not like some creep who's gonna lock them up in a basement and shoot a snuff film. You know, it's like, they're never gonna come back. And I was like, they, their life becomes an episode of an ID TV show. 
<laughs> so it's like, uh, so it's like uh, um, so it's it's very careful how you word it, communicate with people. It's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of communication through email, uh, and a lot of like, hey, this is what I want to do, and, and be straightforward and 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 always give the most amount of details you can, so they know what they're getting into, and they feel comfortable and safe to work with you. And take that journey with you because it's a journey. You're telling them like, "Hey, I need your, I need you for all your weekends in the summer." Like, what are you gonna do? I need you your whole weekend for the summer, like every weekend. Oh, but I work during the week and it's summertime. Like, I, I know, but if you want to do this movie, this is what I need you for. So that too is like people, people say they they come in, they're interested. So you have to have a backup plan, a side person. It's like, all right, this is my my first choice, but this is my third, my fourth, my fifth choice. If like something comes up. And then, like this person, now last minute gets cold feet, and so that kind of happened with our lead. With our lead, we got a, it, it. We we had a lead, and up to this point, once I got the whole cast, so let me backtrack a little bit to, to to make it more to clarify a little bit. So you see the obstacle of the casting. Once we got everybody down, it's a, it's four good guys. It's four protagonists, four antagonists. So the the the, the main people who robbed this drug cartel, which is the part of the plot. It consists of four people with a female lead. You know, she's the, the head team leader. And then we had the people that they robbed, the drug cartel, which also consists of four people with a leader, this head guy with a lead. So then that alone is already eight people I need for this story. It was like, all right, I need eight actors for this story already, just along with just the leads. But then you have your side supporting characters. So you have like the mentor of the 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 criminals the good guys i guess the robin hoods if you want to put them in the in the, uh, the bandits so to say as how they're described in the movie you know so you have the bandits you have their mentor but then you also have the leader of the bandits you have like her mother or her mother you know so then or her mother figure so then that's two now supporting characters i have to get so now the count is to 10 so now i got a cast of 10 so now, but like I said, hey, every scene can only consist of just these people. Once they get to the island, I need some island locals. How, they need to talk to people. How do they know there's a monster out there? Because that's part of the movie. They're like skeptical to the thing. As it, like, as it arrives, like it describes in the IMDb description, you know, they're hearing of this lore of this jungle uh, treasure and this monster and them being greedy thieves. Yeah, they're interested in the treasure that these people are talking about. And it's in the jungle, but they're they're skeptical to the monster whole the whole monster stuff. So I need island locals to convey that in scenes. How many can I get away with? I can't. I'm not. I can't do extras. I can't have like a lot of background people just walking in the background to make the world seem alive. Um, so I have to work. I have to get out a couple of people. So I knew I had one scene with an island elder I'm supposed to describe the story. You know. You know, you always have like that kind of like that's kind of like my homage to the old man in the original Friday the 13th. You know, who like, Ward, don't go in that jungle, you know, don't go into those woods, you know, you stupid kids, don't go in there, don't you know? Like, that's so I have like kind of my own little like kind of like you know, scene like that in the movie. So I knew I needed somebody to do that. You know, I need I needed somebody to do that scene. So I already knew I needed an elder for that. Then I knew I needed a scene where the guys of the crew are like drinking champagne with some island ladies and are all like, Yeah, we love it here. It's beautiful. Like, yeah. So I was like, how can I I want at least three? So it seems like at least one guy each has a girl. Um, so then now that becomes, oh well, now I need four island people. So now this is a cast of 14. 
You know, this is a cast of 14 people. So now, shit, how, uh, where am I going to get 14 people to do this? You know, and so it, it started with the monster and the lead. So I got two out of the 14. Then going into New Year's, I got the rest. So about, so about May, so around April, it wasn't until around April, I, I believe around April is wasn't that I finally had the full cast. I finally had a full cast assembled through all these different channels and memes and all these different conversations and emails with people. I finally had a full cast assembled in like around April. And then so like in May, we took out, I took out several weekends in the month of May and I rented like a little space, like a little studio space. And I had all the cast come for rehearsal. Almost like a Broadway show, like how Broadway does it or like stage. Because to explain to everybody, look, this is going to be guerrilla style. No permits. A lot of run and gun. A lot of just like we're going to show up, shoot the scene and leave. So we need everybody familiar with the material. We need everybody to know how all the scenes should at least have an idea. Can you walk like this now? I think we just lost your sound there for a second. Oh, hello? Yeah, you're you're back. Yeah, we lost you for just a couple seconds there. So, yes, I needed everybody to be familiar and ready with the material, even if it was like a vague, just kind of like, all right, this is an idea of how we want this scene to play out. This is kind of like the timing of it all. This is kind of like the tone and the emotion we're kind of having in this scene right now. So then on the day, next month when we're shooting because you know we did it leading in that month you know we're shooting in june so in may we're taking these uh saturdays and sundays out which is already good too because now we were already starting the hey every saturday and sunday we're t- pulling aside for this movie so we took a couple of saturday and sundays and we went and we did uh some some rehearsals and we went through the whole script and you know and then i recorded it and I recorded on my phone, and then on my phone with a free editing app on my phone, I, I put together kind of like a like a choppy, like rough cut of what the movie is through the rehearsals, through the recordings of the rehearsals. You know, we did every scene, and then we put it together, and we just kind of like wow. And then I put it as a private link on YouTube, and I sent it to all the cast, so they had something to continually study on their off time also. So they could, uh, uh, so they could kind of like, you know, while they're on the train going to work on Monday or Tuesday, they could sit and just kind of watch the rough cut of their rehearsal and get an idea. Okay, cool. I understand what he wants to do in the scene. I got it. I got it. And then, and then we also got a good kind of rough estimate of how long the movie could possibly be by putting all the the the, the movies together, by putting all the stuff together. So then, and you know, everybody watched it. So then, going into the week before, we were supposed to start shooting. Because, again, you have to make everything professional. Everything has to be under contract because that's another thing, too. Even if you're dealing with your friends, dealing with anything, you have to make sure that everything that was discussed is on paper somewhere and that it's, there's evidence of discussion because you don't want to take advantage of anybody and you don't want any problems to come in and, like, hearsay. It's like, oh, you promised me this. I promised you that. Especially, you know, so you have to make sure, just like the real professional, there's always contracts and agreements made so when we were going through our, 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 our contract negotiation the, with our original lead who we were already doing the rehearsals with um she's a musician she's also a, a, a you know an aspiring actress and musician so other commitments were starting to come into play and it got and it got to like the last 11th hour where um 
something major for her was coming into play, and now she couldn't be in, you know, so and I definitely, you know, a very talented speed actress. She's a really talented speed actress. And I was like, man, this is great. She's able to like, pick things up quickly before I'm on an improv level. She reached back out to us. And I met her at Starbucks, went over the script. As I emailed it to her the night before. She read it. We, uh, I went up an agreement with her real fast. And then she agreed to it. And she was a little nervous. Obviously, this happened really fast. She didn't know who I was. And, and she was worried about, like, you know, being safe and all that stuff. And I reassured her, hey, you can bring anybody you want on and all that stuff. Like, letting her know, like, hey, this is not professional. It's not Hollywood. I'm not going to be like, hey, you can't bring your friend over and hang out. I'll just make sure you're safe. Because, you know, I could be a creep from Facebook trying to, like, collect people to do a human in real life. Oh, I think your sound is cut out again. Hello? Hello? Yep, we can hear you now. Yep, you're good. So, yeah, so then we were last minute with just a couple of, with just literally like a couple of days to spare, we were able to get a full cast again, get a new lead last minute. And then because of her like talent and her experience in working stage, she was able to pick up the material really fast and work with the cast despite not being there for like that month of rehearsal. You know, and she never even met the cast or anybody from the cast until that first day on set. You know, it all happened so last minute. You know, so uh, you're going to have obstacles with casting all the way, all the way through, even in the process. You know, especially on an independent level where people can't just, you know, they're all trying to do their own things too. So if other opportunities, maybe another something that's could, could potentially be something better for them comes along, you know, they might want to abandon the project or they might have to reschedule a day that they were supposed to be on and you have to take those things into consideration. You have to think about that. So when you're planning the movies, like, hey, how can I plan this so I don't inconvenience anybody as much as I need to? take as much time away from what they need to do with themselves or their careers that I don't need to. Like as much as that we could work together, collaborate this for the love of the filmmaking process and for a chance to do something that we love in whatever department that may be. But at the same time, we, we, you know, we don't want it to also uh, take away other better opportunities or, you know, more uh, 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 lucrative opportunities or, or monetary go opportunities because like hey well you know this guy's gonna pay me this but i need that saturday you know so i can't do it so you know you gotta you gotta be you gotta also throughout the process be able to compromise and work with your cast and, and be able to bend and be flexible but but have that foresight also as a i guess as a producer or a filmmaker to know that these problems might happen. So you have to have backup plans. So like, hey, you know, if if at any time I need a, a cast member needs to be off or goes, then I could reschedule that scene for this day then. You know, I had a board with a calendar draw, like a like a chart, like a whiteboard with the months and the days and what scenes I wanted to shoot on which days and on what actors I needed in those scenes. And then as things got done, I X them out. 
And as things got rescheduled, I just switched them around. I, I would take a look at the board and I'd be like, well, damn. And then I will call people. I'll have to call and email the cast. I'll be like, hey, you know, um, this person can't make it this day. So I might have to change. Remember I told you I need you Saturday the 15th but hey instead you think can you do the 28th or whatever you know instead and oh let me get back to you oh shit okay so then now let me call somebody else hey you know because it's like four people in that scene so now i gotta reschedule four people see casting is very difficult that's that's going to be a, a on this level on this level obviously the big guys they, they they sign you to a movie and that's it that's your commitment for however long and you're working a monday through friday you got saturday sunday off for however long the movie or tv show goes that's how it is in the industry you know sign hey i'm gonna work on gotham season is gotham season five goes from july to march okay i'm working this july to march monday to friday i'm oh i'm gonna work on avengers three Avengers 3 starts shooting in April. It goes from April to all, October. I'm going to work there from April to October. And that's it. And, and, and that's it. Monday through Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. But on the independent level, when everybody got their own day jobs, their own lives, it becomes just Saturday, Sunday. And then if you're working your day job under five, sometimes your Saturday and Sundays are reserved for your family gatherings, your own personal appointments, your, your house chores. You know, things that you have to get to that you can't get to during your day of work. So that's that that could cause working for your movie on Saturday and Sunday, no matter how good it may sound or how cool it may sound. A lot of people sometimes won't even have that forethought. The actor won't even think that, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do your movie. I'll definitely do your movie. It's great. But then like two weeks in, they're like, oh, man, you know, next Saturday I want to go to, oh, man, next Saturday is the Metallica concert and ah, fuck, and I got to do this scene and he needs me all day and I can't go and then, then and then I'm getting this free ticket and then, you know, this is where, like, yeah, you might get a cast member who's, like, so devoted that it's like, you know what, I know you all get Metallica shit, but so I can't go. Or you might get an actor who might be like, well, that movie, Metallica's only here today, kid. I'm going to see Metallica today. He has to understand. I'm seeing Metallica now. And he just has to book me another day to shoot that scene. So, you know, that may happen. You know, that, that, so you have to take that into consideration during your casting process, too. Be thorough. Be thorough with the plan. Have a, have a, a schedule plan. Have a game plan. Have dates. Hey, I need to date this date, this date. Can you take off of work? Can you do this? Can you get somebody to babysit for you? Can you, like, shift your hair appointment? Get your manicure another day? Hey, can you go fishing another weekend? Like, I need you July this. I need you June this. I need you May this. So part of the casting process is also the planning process too. That's going to be very important when you're casting your projects. Make sure that you think, especially if it's a big movie, and it's not just like something like that only involves a couple of people. You have 14 people to coordinate. Some scenes have five people. Some it's telling they have a wedding or a funeral or or, or they got to go be an audience member to a rocket launch. You know, and now you got to put another four people in convenience, their whole world and life and plans and tell them, hey, I, thought, I told you the 15, but I really mean the 26. And it's like, oh, but then it's like, oh, and for the 26, I can't do it. I'm like, oh, but then you can't. Oh, I can do the 15 the next month. 
Oh, okay. So now let me go back to the other three guys. Well, look, remember I told you the, we can do the 15th and we're going to do the 26th. Well, look, this person can do the 26th. So can y'all do the 5th? Oh, oh, yeah, I don't know if I can do the 5th. Yeah, you know, that, that's challenging. Yeah. That's the process of challenging from, from the onset, from when you're looking for the people, all the way through you going through the process. It's not easy. Yeah. Um, question of the podcast? I've got one or two more questions, actually. Um, so, yeah, so it sounds like you had a lot of fun stories, a lot of interesting stories from uh, your set. Um, and now that you've headed it, now that you're in currently in post-production, uh, you've gotten away from uh, your time on set for a good amount of time now, looking back. Um, so my last question about the production of Fauna is, was there anything that you didn't know about the filmmaking process that you wish you did know when you started that you'd like to pass on to any up and coming filmmaker? Any uh, advice you'd like to share with your fellow filmmakers? Um... Well, I gave you all the I gave you all the process throughout this. So you you kind of got a lot of insight throughout with you now, yeah. <laughs> but um, but I would say if it was thing that I didn't really know how much it would go into was going to to be how much planning. Like I knew there was planning, like I knew there was planning and strategy and scheduling involved. Uh, I knew that was there, but since a uh, quote unquote you know, people consider that the boring stuff. That's not something you generally think of when you're thinking about you want to make a movie. You're thinking about the camera, the cast, the effects, the things like that. I would say to any, like, people coming in, especially if you want to do features, because, you know, this is, uh, that was my ambition. And plus, I guess it's a combination of my ambition and stupidity. I wanted to do a feature, not a short. You know, I've, I've done the commercials for Troma that are kind of like shorts. And I was like, all right, let me take it to the next step. Um, so, uh, that takes a lot of planning, a lot of planning, a lot of scheduling, and you're not a, 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 a psychic, but it does take a lot of anticipation, a lot of anticipation. Like you got to anticipate everything, like every possible scenario. You got to be like, you got to be like Dr. Strange in, in, uh, Infinity War floating, like, oh, uh, like I saw, I saw six million and one possible ways that we could make this movie with only two dollars. What? And, and how? And out of those six million and one, how many did we actually make the movie for two dollars? One. And this, <laughs> so it. You know, it's like it takes one of those things. It's like that type of level of foresight and planning that I didn't anticipate that like by the middle of the process, you know, there's gonna be times that I was like, yo, I'm think I'm losing, I'm looking in the mirror, I was like, yo, am I losing my hair? Yo, am I like stressing? Am I like do I got extra wrinkles right now? Am I like do I got dark do the circles I'm on the yo, I, I didn't know the stress. And uh, just like the just a sure amount of just like energy it takes to, to and brain power and just think constant thinking you're constantly on to do it on this level you have to be where some people are not ready or don't even 
understand that that is part of the process and they get frustrated. They think that's just like they're doing it wrong. Why am I so stressed? Why am I working so hard? Why is nothing coming together? Why you got to be uh, uh, very like strategic and, and thoughtful of how you plan and schedule things. And then the second part I would say is just that too, a tough skin. Develop a, uh, develop a tough skin. Try not to take things personal. I mean, this is coming from me that there was lots of times I was stressed and I'm taking things personal. It's like, yo, why is this happening? Why is this like this? Why is going on? Like, you've got to just kind of just be like, but you have to find that 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 moment. You're just kind of like, how can I make this work then? How can I fix this? How can this go on? To, you know, so a lot of foresight, a lot of planning, and just a, a lot of tough skin. I would, that's the advice I would say that a lot of sometimes people don't go into because they're thinking about all the cool glamorous stuff and all the cool stuff they're going to do, which is fun too. plan those things out. But it's really just all those intricate plannings, like, you know, how many clothes I need, how many, how many days I need for this, how in the stories that it's props did, cast that, schedule this, availability that, all those, and then plan A's, plan B's, plan C's. We lost you again. We lost you. Oh, yeah, you need, that's what you need. All those just in case this happens. Always keep that in your mind. That's the advice I would just give. Plan, 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 schedule, 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 and always have on your mind what, just in case this happens, just in case this happens. And then have, a, have an answer and a backup plan for that just in case that happens. Cool. Yeah. Alrighty. All right. So yeah, normally we have Mark here doing his question of the podcast. The question is usually related to something that was involved with what was talked about today. But since Mark is not here today, we're going to have Brandon's question of the podcast. Oh boy. Um, so I'll ask a question and Daniel, since you're our guest, you can answer first, or if you need a minute to think about it, you can pass to Zach and pretty much all three of us will give our answer and right. yeah, so yeah, it's so my question of the podcast is what is your favorite monster suit that you've seen in a horror movie? Favorite monster suit that I've seen in a horror movie. Ooh. Hmm. Favorite monster suit that I've seen in a horror movie. Damn, that's interesting. That's a really good question. Shit. Uh, practical I'm thinking practical effects and so many and but there's so many before I don't know why the Benicio del Toro Wolfman is the only one that comes to mind right now but there's so many there's so much more on a classic sense I would say the the creature from the Black Lagoon that's because of the, the details the details they were able to put in that and and, and and being able to be on a practical level, like actually swim and do those underwater shots where he's swimming, and for the resources and what the, the you know what the filmmaking capabilities they had back then and the resources that back then, it's easy to pick something modern where they know how to do it now and have better materials. But for back then, where they had to get like an actual like Olympic diver or swimmer and get them in like some weird rubber foam suit with these flippers and a mask. And like do like these underwater swimming and shit like that. I would say on a classic sense, the creature from the Black Lagoon. And I guess on a more modern sense, I don't know why the Benicio del Toro monster keeps coming up to me. I did, really did like that werewolf design. I'm a werewolf fan. Um, 
I really like that design, how he had the big puffy chest, the big bulging back. He was kind of like hunchback. You know, I like that they chose to do like a white t-shirt over like the classic like brown. You know, the Wolfman had like the brown button down shirt with just like pants. And he's all like, yeah, I'm perfectly nice and buttoned up like I'm good. I like that he had like a white shirt that was tattered and the white made him look more ferocious and scary when once the blood got all over it. And, 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 and I love that Rick Baker put the real, like, a lot of good practical effects on it. I love he had, like, little, these little specks of gray hair. He had, like, he had, like, accents of little, little gray hairs on him. He had a like, little salt and pepper in the fur. You know, the snout was really, like, detailed and it, like, moved really well. So I guess I would just say on a modern sense, like, uh, Benicio del Toro Wolfman and on a classic sense, uh, the creature from the Black Lagoon. Nice. Zach? Predator. You said Predator? I- Oh, yeah. I am a Predator fanatic, and one of the things I've always loved about the Predator costumes are the different masks they have, the bio helmets. Um, you know, you've got the wolf mask, the Celtic mask, the jungle hunter, city hunter, ritual hunter, all those different cool-ass masks. The whole, like, tri-laser um, aiming, uh, like, thing and all that. And then also the cool, like, tech they have on their, like, suits. Like, you have the wrist computer that's a portable nuke and also a controller <laughs> for many other things. The shoulder plasma caster, the dual wrist blades that eject and have all sorts of cool ass sizes, and then just all the other cool weaponry that they have just attached to their bodies. I've always loved those things to death, and I just think it's one of the most phenomenal and coolest designs I've ever seen in a movie before. From weaponry to costume to the creature itself, like it's yeah. it's just such a magnificent thing, and it's like, oh my god, this is beautiful. The face, yeah. Yep. So Daniel actually took one of mine, Creature of the Black Goon. Um, Somebody had to steal somebody's on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I almost said Predator, but, you know, I already spoke about it so much in links. So I just kind of like, all right, let me be different. You know, like there's other types of creature designs out there. I wanted to like kind of really like come up with something different, but I don't know. Uh But I'll add, gonna... I'll, add, I'll add one little detail about the creature from Black Gloom. It's cool that they actually had two different suits because they had one actor underwater and a different actor for when he was above water. And if you look closely, you can see the arms on the two suits are slightly different. <laughs> yeah. I will um, say, if I had to choose a second place, it would be the Xenomorph from Alien. Okay, that's I, that's good. That's that's a really good one too. That is, is a that's your pick. Kind of. All right, if you want Mine is actually the Xenomorph from Aliens rather than Alien. I just um, it's because there's so many there's so many xenomorph designs yeah out there, and so I, you I could do choose think a plethora. The Xenomorph in general is one of the greatest monster suit designs. Um I'm giving the edge to aliens over alien because one, I really like the design of the head. head. Yeah. I really like just like the edges and the heads on that warrior class. And the other thing too, is I think they just knew how to film it a little better in aliens that you can actually see the full body body. Cause like the part in alien where you see the full body, especially when he's blown out of the uh, airlock at the end, it does look like a man in a suit. Now, when they do keep the alien suit in the original movie hidden or partly in shadows or when you're only seeing part of it, it's excellent. But when you see it full body 
it does kind of lose something. Whereas in Aliens, I felt like even when you see a full alien, you don't lose any of that effect. Here's the thing. When I refer to alien, I mainly just refer to the suit in general because there's so many of them. You have, you have the drones, which is in part one. You have the warriors, which are in part two. The runner, which is in part three. You have the queen, the Praetorians, the Pred alien. And then well, the queen was a puppet. was fair. All right. Okay. <laughs> sure. That is and 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 then you had the CGI dog one in part three, right? Yeah, yeah that it did. was both CGI and practical. I don't know if they put a did they maybe they did put a guy in a suit in that one. I'm not 100 percent sure, but it was. I, both. I, I think it was. It was definitely a mixture. Of yeah, both. like the like when you have the alien head like right in front of Ripley in that one shot. That was, I think that was practical. Oh, that was absolutely practical. Um, you can tell which scenes are yeah. practical and which ones are CGI. But I don't really, I don't really return to Alien 3 as much as I do the first two. So I'm not the biggest expert on it. Yeah, that's, the, the, the first two are the best ones. I, I love the first, I remember when the first one got first released on Blu-ray and I got it. I was like, I watched it like, I watched a marathon of the first one on loop for like a whole, for like three straight. I was just like, oh my, like every day it was like a new thing. Like I was like, it's so crispy. Oh, look at these, look at this production value. Look at these set designs. Oh, look at this dirty looking ship. It looks so cool. Then the next day it'll be like, oh, the sound is so awesome. He did so great with the sound and like the score and like all this atmosphere. Ugh. Then like the third day is like, oh, the performances. It's like, oh my God. Like, I'm, I'm like, Watching it on loop like for three days straight. I love that movie. Um, but that and those are really yeah, good creature design, really like good costume, yeah. practical effects. Like I love practical effects because it's just like whatever you can do in the camera is so much better than yeah, you know, and, and like computers. Like the best use of CGI is to help make the practical just stand out more. Yeah, just a little advancement. That's why I was so upset with the Freddy remake. Oh yeah, like, just lack of practice on that one. It was. It was so annoying. I that remake just. There's a whole podcast of me and him arguing about that movie. It just both movies, Prometheus and Alien Covenant. We we agree on Covenant. We disagree on Prometheus. But oh my god, Covenant and the latest Predator movie to come out are two of the most egregious things I've seen in movies since Episode Eight of Star Wars. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Which also has some good creature designs too. If you want to talk about good creature designs, oh yeah, they also have good costumes and good creature designs. A lot of them are in the background, so you can't enjoy them as much as like uh, Xenomorph, yeah, Predator. Um, but those are good, yeah, like really good creature designs. Yeah. All right. Um, so I think that about does it for today's podcast. Daniel, thank you for being here. Uh, before we say goodbye to our audience, uh, where can we find you and Fauna on social media? Um, is there Are there any websites or social media handles you'd like to plug? So uh, you can find us on uh, our website, uh, psychothematicmedia.com. And uh, there you have like info for all our social medias. You have our e my email. You can contact me. You have like some couple of info on Fauna. Little Fauna has its own page. There you could also find uh, information where you could help and donate to the final uh, production of Fauna, our post-production. We still need a lot of VFX. We still have a lot of things. Again, indie style, no budget. So we do have like a donation set up at the website and we are giving away cool swag with anybody who donates. So we have like for a dollar, you know, you get like your thank you card 
And then, you know, as a good thing, because if a dollar goes a long way in that production, man, especially, so, and then we have posters, and we have our, we have our eight and a half glow in the dark, well, not glow in the dark, but black light style photo. Um, you can go out on Instagram. You can find me on Daniel Frankenstein, straight just like that, or Psychothematic Media on Instagram. Uh, now we have a YouTube page that we just opened up. Uh, so you can find us on YouTube at bit.ly slash PTM TV. And then we actually have the Founder trailer right there, live. Uh, uh, you saw the exclusive Founder trailer at the convention, but now we got a new one, you know, uh, at, uh, which went out the strobe lights so get epilepsy. That's <laughs> 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 you can find on bit.ly slash Founder Teaser 1, the number one. So it's like Founder Teaser number one. And there you go straight and you can just watch the Founder Teaser trailer and all its glory. And, uh, Share it, hit like, hit comment, you know, spread the love. And we should hear and trying to build hype for it. And we're excited and, you know, very appreciative for y'all bringing me on and like giving me this platform right now. Welcome. We're glad you we're glad you were able to be here. Yeah, and we're really excited to see the finished movie as well. All right. Thank you, man. Right. Thank you. Yep. And of course, for us, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at MidwestHorrorNetwork.com. Um, from the Midwest Horror Network, squirrels. <laughs> That's Zach. I'm Brandon. That's not Mark. Y'all have a great night. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>